stop. I finally made it back to Florida and had to, <laughs> Bam. to reflect We're on live. the past weekend. Um, uh, Calvin Heimborg. Heimborg? Heimborg. Heimborg. His Instagram is spelled differently than his name. Oh, uh, impressive uh, finish. <laughs> impressive finish. Extremely. Kept it, kept it exciting. Uh, really uh, stayed on top of Kevin Jones in the 17th and 18th hole. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You've done your homework. Oh, yeah. Ready to go. Oh, yeah. The back nine. It's called the back nine. For those of you who don't know, the back nine is holes 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18. Dude, you, I think you got it on your own tonight. I can I can just leave. Just chill, buddy. Just chill. <laughs> I got all this. All we need is Sousa or Caleb to, to log in now so someone can run the back end. Okay, so you sent me this guy's Instagram. Uh, this is um, Calvin Heimberg. And uh, he's good. He, the the the. T- tell me what's going on here. What what are we doing here tonight? Why why what what kind of crazy shenanigans are we up to? I mean, I'm not I'm not sure. We'll see. But uh, this past weekend was the first professional like pro tour event of the year for the disc golf season. And you and I have been kind of talking about the possibility of doing some coverage of that sport. Well, we try have been trying to get get you know guests on that played disc golf for a, over a year now, maybe two years. And I uh, have been failing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Why won't those guys come on? Well, we haven't gotten their attention yet. So that's maybe what we're trying to do. Okay. And, uh, and the, uh, you're saying the disc golf pro season has started. How, how many weeks is the um, season? So there's, the, there's disc golf going on like all year round. And and the technically in terms of tour points available, the season actually started like two months ago, but those are all what are called a tier B tier and C tier events. And the points available in those are very small. The majority of the points that you can earn towards the season happen in the disc golf pro tour events of which there are 16. And those started on February 23rd this past week. And the, the disc golf pro tour championship is the last one. And that ends on October 15th. And so is this every weekend for the next, is this every weekend for the next 16 weekends? No, there's a lot more than 16 weekends between now and October 15th. Okay. How many, uh, is it every other weekend? So we don't, we won't be on here every week or will we? I don't think so. There are tournaments every week and the best players in the world, you know, for the most part will play in tournaments most of the weeks, but they won't play every week. They'll take some weeks off for travel to go back home to family. And the tour has some like sections to it. So obviously in this, in these months, the tournaments are taking place in warmer climates. So the first several tournaments are in, or there's one in Vegas and then there's a few in Texas. I think three in a row are in Texas. And that gets us through March, but they're not all pro tour events. They have some tournaments that are called other things. Um, so we're not going to cover every tournament every week. We'll probably focus on the big ones. And in addition to those, are those 16 all considered big ones? They're considered big ones, but not the biggest. There are also four majors. Are they all scored equally of those 16? Uh, in terms of the points available? Yeah, I believe so. But a couple of them are playoff events, and so those might be weighted more heavily. Okay, the because the I, I counted about thirty-two or thirty-three weeks between now and like October fourteenth. Right. So, for example, in um, in the summer, there's a there are some events in Europe. Oh so no, some, shit! And the whole tour has to go there. If you're a serious player, you have to go there. 
Not necessarily, but most of them do because one of the majors is in Europe. So if you go there, you'll go there and play one of the one of those 16 events on July 13th, that weekend. And then the following weekend is the European Open, which is one of four majors for the year. I have to turn off this um, uh, notify me. I have to t- this. Uh, oh, play sound effects. I have to turn this off. This 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 thread that you and I are on with these uh, games experts is is some is something else, isn't it? Yes. It, 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 I've never really spent. I'm 50 years old. I've never really been on a thread like this. Yeah, I have. Uh, and I've been on some crazy threads. You have been on one like this before. Yeah, it's actually you know. Um, more or less, that's what the morning chalk up Slack channel used to be like. Wow. That's impressive. You know, people from around the world would get information and they just put it in there and then we would decide what to do with it. This is a very different group of people, but it's a similar concept. Yeah. uh, So, sorry, I switched subjects. I went over to CrossFit, uh, for a (laughs) second. Um, Brian, in terms of your knowledge of CrossFit versus, um, disc golf, are they comparable? I've been I've been doing CrossFit for 10 years. I've been playing disc golf for three. Mm-hmm. I've been watching CrossFit for 10 years and I've been watching disc golf for three. Okay. So I would say that my knowledge of, and uh, I would say, my, you know, I'd say my knowledge of disc golf is on par with my knowledge of CrossFit from like five years ago when I uh, first so, started with you. Okay. Uh, that, well, that's impressive. Sarah Cooper, do disc golf players follow the rules? I think that's a little, that's a passive aggressive uh, question. <clears throat> Well, if there's anyone who uh, likes to follow CrossFit and is concerned that disc golf is going to be full of controversy that detracts from the quality of what's happening on the field of play, it's far less problematic in disc golf. Right, it's simpler. They only have uh, a couple couple things going on. Yeah, you, you you throw it in the basket and you get however many points it was for the, the shots you took. And if it's out of bounds, it's very well defined. You know, occasionally, just like in regular golf, you'll have a penalty applied after the fact for someone who did something that was illegal that wasn't noticed immediately, but it's pretty rare. Uh, Justin, hi. Uh, You're not supposed to call until tomorrow evening show. Yeah, but no one wants to listen to disc golf, do they really? (laughs) This is a disc golf show. Listen, listen. Uh, One of my uh, esteemed colleagues saw that this was on the schedule, and he goes, are you crazy? The CrossFit stuff is so hot right now. Why are you wasting your energy on disc golf? Because after Dude, three weeks, just move on. And Let me tell you, I think you guys are just jealous because you think me and Brian are cheating on you, and we are. I have to ask Brian a question, please. So, right now, I'm in the North America West region, or whatever they're calling that. They're taking 68 teams the quarterfinals. Is that correct, Brian? Well, 68 what teams Team. to quarterfinals? I don't. I don't think that's right. So I, th- where I think te- you're talking about teams, like uh, groups of four, two men and two women. Yeah, team, T E A M. Oh, teenagers. No, team, T E A M. Team. I think they're taking. I think they're. I think they're taking forty teams to some quarterfinals. No, no, no. Quarter. Oh, to semifinals. Quarterfinals. I have no to idea. No idea and don't really care. Dude, okay. So let me tell you what the game site says. They're okay. taking sixty-eight they're taking sixty-eight teams to quarterfinals from this particular continent. They're taking forty 
teams to semifinals. Mm-hmm. So they're going to take 68 teams from the open, mm-hmm. and then they're going to drop 28 of those teams and take them to quarterfinals. Hold on, let me check your math. Uh, yep, that's right. Yep, you got it. That's, okay. They're they're missing the boat somewhere, and I know that I know that it's not a big deal. To, the top level games athletes but they're missing the boat somewhere on this team thing like how do only how are they how is only 68 teams qualifying for stage two of a four stage competition when 4,000 individuals qualify and they're going to take 60 like they're, they're missing something here and here's my solution and bear with me I'm going to take just a second then I'll hang up my solution is that every affiliate in good standing that registers for the open is automatically put, they automatically have a team. It doesn't cost $10. You don't have to go register a team. Every affiliate has a team, regardless if you care about the competition side of it or not. I already like it. I am signing off on this idea. I'm I'm signed off. This is an excellent idea. I love this already. And then you can actually call it the fucking affiliate cup because every affiliate is participating in it. Thank you. Uh, uh, Yes. That's a fucking brilliant idea. Um, you should be the CEO yeah. of CrossFit or at least replace Justin Berg's position. Well, I'm and, and I'm not even joking, even though I'm using my smart ass voice, Justin, it's fucking a no brainer. Duh. And Hey, and if you yeah. want people to go to the events, how about let in a hundred aff- affiliate teams to the event so you can pack the house? Cause Wadapalooza already cracked the code on that. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I'm calling tomorrow and uh, beat Brian down some more, please. Back Will to, do. Back to Frisbee golf. You're a good dude. It's actually a fucking brilliant idea. It's a no-brainer. Adds to the affiliate proposition. Okay, back to Frisbee Golf. Okay, so Brian, when um, so you sent me um, uh, four shows from this um, YouTube st- uh, station. Um, why do they call it? What is it? Why do they call it Jomez Pro? The founder's name is Jonathan Gomez. Okay, so he just combined those names, Joe. The first two initials from his first name and Mez, the last three initials or letters from his last name. Joe Mez Pro. He made this company uh, a long time ago. He used to do a lot of the work on his own. It's um, picked up a lot of steam recently. There, you know, there are other companies that have post production like they do for a lot of events uh, because, they, but they usually get the lead card. So you know, um, for whatever reason, maybe they have to bid on it. So they get the top. The feature card is a selection of players in round one. And then every subsequent round, the top four players play on what's called the lead card. The next four players play on the chase card. Usually Gatekeeper Media, maybe GK Pro is another YouTube station that might cover those. And on the really big tournaments, there's usually a third card of coverage. As you know from following along this week, in the, in one, the course of a day, you know, after another round, there can be exchanges from the lead card and the chase card. And sometimes someone has a really hot round and will jump two cards. So uh, this is just the place you can go to watch the top four players every round play their round in about an hour. Yeah. Th- and this is a really cool site. The camera work was fantastic. The commentary was fantastic. It's not uh, it's not stuffy commentary. It's real commentary. It took me a little while to realize that the guys who are doing the commentary actually are all of them actually a pros or former pros. They're also or guys playing. who are even playing on the circuit. There was one guy who was like commentating and he was playing. No, all three of them actually started playing in this tournament. One of the guys had to withdraw after first round. The other guy didn't make the cut for the final round, but the middle guy uh, made the cut and finished, you know, somewhere in the twenties or something for this tournament. Sex, Sexton, Sexton. Yeah. And Nate Sexton, 
Uh, he's been playing for a long time. He finished tied for 43rd. Only 49 players made the cut, so he had a bad last round. But um, he doesn't play very many tournaments during the year. But when he does play, he usually does pretty well. Okay. And how many tournaments um, do, do you have to play of the 16 to kind of maintain your pro status? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know all the qualifications for pro status, but there are okay. 90 players that have what's called a, a touring card. So those okay. players can register for those tournaments. They have like first dibs on those tournaments. Okay. They, have, they can. So usually they can get into them um, regardless. There's normally about 160 male players in the field. So there's another 70 guys that don't have a tour card that are trying to earn their way into that tournament. And there's a few different ways to do that. And I don't know all the, all of the rules for that necessarily. Well, good. I'm glad you don't know everything for this show. Cause I was concerned that we're not going to have anything to talk about in the next show. Uh, Robbie Myers looks like one of the dorks I saw on the, on the um, uh, circuit uh, for sure. He looks like a Frisbee player, Brian, any desire or plans to go to the Jonesboro open? You've got a place to stay. If so, that's nice. I have yet to go to a pro disc golf event. Uh, I, I play in like C tier level events locally, um, which is fun, but I haven't gone to actually watch one. Um, I've actually never really enjoyed going to watch like professional golf tournaments because the, I think the only way to do it is if you like just pick a group and follow them. It's so boring for me to just stand on the 16th tee and watch a tee, you know, four guys hit a tee shot and then wait 10 minutes or 15 minutes and watch four more guys hit a tee shot. So uh, if I went to a disc golf event, I'd want to go to one where I had the capacity to follow the card that I wanted and be able to watch them all play the entire round. Uh, some of them are easier to do that at than others. Okay. Uh, definitely not a disc golf player, but it's big here. All right. Cool. That's one of the, yeah, like that course is a very famous course um, and shows up every year as one of the, one of the stops on the disc golf pro tour. So, so this website, so Brian gave me four of these videos to watch um, in their, their 30 minute videos and they were recaps. It looks like uh, I'm going to go to videos here. Big, big YouTube station, 422,000 subscribers, a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. So the pink ones are the women's and okay. the green ones are the men's. Okay. So eight, if you want to follow just the men, it's like eight half hour shows to get caught up and they do an incredible job of recapping. Yeah. I mean, How about that guy that was hit with the disc and the commentators are like, Hey, he might have a broken ankle. Is that for real? That one of those could break your ankle. Oh, I mean, it's, it was, <laughs> you have no idea how fast and hard these guys are throwing those discs. Um, and that yeah. was a distance driver that was coming in with a lot of speed. Uh -huh. Uh, it probably hurt his ankle. If he broke his ankle, it would have been just because of the way he landed more than anything else. That rarely happens. It does happen occasionally, but that I've never seen that before where the, the guy who's in position to film the shot from the um, fairway gets hit by the disc. And the fact yeah. that it hit him in the leg and, 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 and went into the bunker, which caused a penalty stroke for the player who threw it was very unfortunate. Oh, so I was wondering what happened. Okay, we'll get to that. I, I I got that clip up here. You'll see when it hits them. We call uh, back when I used to play frisbee. We called any shot that was started coming down at an angle like this. We would call it a tomahawk if it was coming. I didn't hear them use that word once. That phrase tomahawk. So, so they must. There's a tomahawk throw. It's an that's this. Throw. Yeah, yeah. But the, the I didn't see anyone use any of those to either. By the way, <clears throat> they might. They will use them on occasion. Those players can. Okay. Most of them can all do it. There's throws called a grenade. You probably saw a few rollers. There's a couple different throws that people. What's do. that? What's a heiser? 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 <laughs> that heiser. angle is the heiser angle. So if you're a right-handed backhand player, yeah, the, like most of the discs 
will fade from right to left, and that's a uh -huh. Heiser angle. The opposite is an Anheuser angle. So Anheuser Heiser. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Good. Awesome. Uh, so basically, what I've done here is I'm just going to pull up some clips, and, and we'll cruise through this, and we'll get we'll get through all uh, we'll get through the tournament, and then we'll climax with the um, last nine holes, and hopefully Sousa will get here because this is going to be quite tedious. <laughs> For me to pay attention to you and um okay let me let me go through some of my notes here uh one of the things when it started uh there were no they said there's no more bad players on the tour the sport has evolved to weed those guys out so obviously we're at a spot it's kind of like crossfit there's no, no there's no one shitty at the games anymore right there's definitely no one shitty at the games there's but there's we know we know we don't have the best 40 in the world in these tournaments, there's no bad players anymore. That's what they were saying is, you know, you used to be able to be fairly recreational and show up at one of these events and play if you wanted to. Now the level is raising dramatically. And I think that, you know, the, the COVID whatever period of time had a lot to do with that because it's basically the perfect COVID sport. It's outdoors. You have your own equipment. You don't have to touch anyone. You don't have to be near anyone. <clears throat> and while almost everything else was closed, disc golf courses were open and, you know, a lot of young players have started playing. And if you're, you know, semi-athletic, have a background in baseball or Frisbee or football where you were throwing, like you can, like the, the motion is fairly easy to learn. Um, if you're good at hand-eye coordination things and you have those, the combination of those two skill sets, you're going to be good. And there's a lot of people like that. It is physically demanding, but it's not a low, it's a low barrier to entry. Uh, in, in, speaking of it being a kind of the perfect, um, COVID sport, it's also the perfect, like, uh, like the church and like the military, it's a perfect sport. If you're gay, um, there's tons <laughs> of, uh, dudes, uh, uh, that's court, yeah. let's, let's put clip that for our uh, clip section and tag all the good disc golfers. We'll definitely get them to watch. Yeah. Uh, we'll get Innova will be sponsoring the show very soon. Uh, the course is a, uh, a par 69. Well, there were two different courses they played. Okay. Um, and oh, and the second one was a par 61, maybe. Okay, okay, I was wondering that. I thought, okay, I you're right. Okay, so the first course that you took me to is a par 69, that's the first course. And and are and also in the in the in the early rounds that you were showing me, it looked like the guys were carrying chalk bags, and in the final rounds, they weren't. Why, why is that? Uh, weather they'll all have chalk bags in their in their bags somewhere in case they want to use it. Some guys use it a lot more frequently than others, and yeah, it's basically to make sure that you're you're getting the grip on the discs that you want. Uh, but uh, and uh, the longest hole in 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 all of these we're going to ever see is a par four. No, there were there's par fives. There are par fives. There are okay. three, four, and five is the only pars that you'll see, just like uh, regular golf. There's a there's a kid uh, who is 17 on the course, a Gannon Burr. Is he is he the youngest dude in in these in this 90? Uh, mm, there might be a couple 16 year olds actually. There's a guys named Evan Scott, Evan Smith, and Cole Radalin that are all around that old that are also have a tour card this year. But Gannon Burr, while those guys are all incredible, Gannon Burr is a next level compared to them. Last year he finished fourth, I think fourth place for the season on the tour points which is, shows a lot of consistency over the entire course of the season. He did win one one tournament last year where it was a Silver Series event, which is like one step down from a Pro Tour event, still very challenging to do. And he was in contention in a bunch of others. I mean, he he's he is a prodigy in the sport. Like, he will be good for a long time. Trying to find him. You guys got to see a picture of this dude. You're the thing is, I, I, he's very tall. And a lot of, and not all of them, but a lot of the, 
top players are pretty tall, like six, three plus. And the wingspan helps because when you have that long reach back and pull through, you can just get more, you know, velocity on it. But he's probably six, five and still growing. Okay, guys, look at this dude. This dude's, this dude's shoulders are pointier than my elbows. (laughs) And, uh, Oh, that was a great shot. I was around the stuff down. Okay, so so look at this dude. This kid is so skinny, and the commentator said that um, in the off season he put on twenty five pounds of muscle. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> they they couldn't even believe they were saying that. Look at this dude. Yeah, twenty five pounds of muscle on that. You can see how long his wingspan is there, and it's just. But but what's kind of cool is you know a lot of guys when they're growing up, or people in general when they're growing up, they'll like it takes time to grow into your body, and so um, to have a long wingspan is one thing, but to also be dialed in enough to be super focused on your putt and have a really accurate putt when you're still kind of growing into your body is what is most impressive about me for him because he's one of the best putters too. He also put a hundred feet on his uh, what do you call it? His drive is that what you call this? Yeah. A hundred feet. That's huge. That's like a, like a, a 20, 20% increase from the best guys, right? Yeah. Everyone on the tour can throw 500 feet plus, And then a select group can, can throw 600 feet plus. No shit. 600 feet. Yeah. And I mean, it definitely depends on elevation, the um, wind. wind. Yeah. This maybe the, you know, it depends if you measure from where it lands or where it finishes. All right. Where the fuck is Sousa? I guess we're just gonna. I guess we're just gonna dive in. Here we go. Uh, gay. Uh, oh, I don't even have a clip for that. Okay, we'll leave that alone. Okay, here we go. Okay, bear with me here. Oh, this is a tough job. Okay, fourteen uh, twenty-five. A misrelease by Garrett. Not a spit out, but a wait. What the fuck? It's not even up here. Excuse me. Sorry. Let's see. Share screen. Uh, so they call this. Uh, um, here, here we are on hole three. You guys can see up there. It's a hole three. It's a three hundred and fifty nine feet. Sometimes they even have the metric system up here for the euros to check out. The number in the middle is a par three. There's some other numbers down here. Maybe Brian will get to explain it to us. But um, they, they say right here that uh, Garrett. Uh, has a has a misrelease. I think it's Garrett, not Gannon. And, and what's a misrelease? That's Watch- just a misrelease, unfortunately. Oh, oh shit! I'll bring Garrett to Hold even on. par now. second time. No oh, way. That was tough. Okay, that so um, you could barely see it there, but <clears throat> sometimes you throw a putt that look that really looks like it should go in, and it doesn't go in. In uh-huh. this case, what he's saying is that he hit the high right side of the chains on a downhill putt. And it's unlikely that the basket that the basket's going to catch that from that far away. He shouldn't be missing his mark by that much. So, so okay. Well, hold, hold that thought because here they call it a misrelease, mm-hmm. and in other places they call it a spit out. Right. So a spit out would be like you throw it right at the middle of the chains. You hit the mark. Okay. When you're putting, usually you'll pick one chain link. And you'll uh-huh. be aiming for that chain link, depending on what the wind's doing. No shit. You think this guy is aiming for one specific chain link right here? 
Yeah. And I think from a, what looks to be like a 10 foot putt, he's missed his mark by probably six inches, right. And eight inches high. So he's just letting it go a little late. And because he's going downhill and the, and it, and it's the top right side of the chains that he hit, it's unlikely it's going to catch the disc. He should be hitting the lower part of the chains with the nose down. So it just dives right in there. And uh, how many, how many chains are there hanging from a basket? Mm-hmm. Variable. And I don't, I don't know. I don't really know the rules about what's the minimum or maximum allowed, but this There's is not, like, a, you'll okay. see as over the course of the season that some of them look different. This is not like there are baskets that have more chains than this one. And there's not a, uh, you mean all, even on this course? No, no, no. On the course, oh. all, for a pro tour event on this course, it'll all be the same. If you go to your recreational <laughs> course, you might not get that consistency. But, you know, most um, like parks and recreations departments are starting to take disc golf more seriously and they will have nicer and nicer and more consistent stuff on their courses because more people are playing. And, and, and look at this stance. This grand, it's a, it's a, it's a granny stance way off his midline. Like there's no, it's not a, it's not a core to extremity at this distance. It's just to, to extremity. It's called a straddle right. putt. Uh-huh. There are a couple players at the top of the game that use a straddle putt, but most, most of the best players do not. Most of them can do it and will do it if they're forced to, if they have to straddle out from a bush or a tree or whatever else is in their way. But as a default go-to putt, there's not a lot at the top of the sport that does this. In uh, basketball, it's called a, I think it's called a granny shot. Mm-hmm. Right? Isn't it? I know my sports. Uh, Jessica, oh, look at there's Susan. Thank you. Thank God. Susan's here. Thank God. He was sweating. It's mad. Uh, just got here. We have been getting into disc golf for the past six months after hearing Brian talk about it on the podcast. So much fun. Oh, awesome. Australia, $14.99. Okay, good. All right. Are you with us, Susa? Are you? I, I have no idea what you guys are talking about, but I'm more than happy to bring up all these clips. As a matter of fact, you'd be stoked. Look, I was ready to hit the ground running. Is it mine or is it yours? I have a oh, you're the awesome. Same exact time you're scale. awesome. I'm 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 uh, pulling mine off. Mine can okay. go bye bye. Roger that. Okay. Uh, so Gannon had a, a spit out on hole three. Okay, here we go. God, now here we go, Brian. We're fucking off to the races. You ready to talk some golf? Uh, this is the elite of the elite, right? So basically what we're seeing are, these are the top 90 best guys in the world. And, w- and why don't we cover the women? Cause we're sexist, misogynistic, or we just don't have time or, um, like I said, there's usually about 160 players in a men's field for a pro tour event. Uh, for the women's field, there were 29. Oh, okay. Okay. Actually, so that it's still developing. That might not be true. There were 29 that made the cut. They may have had less in the, they may have more in the previous rounds, but there's I not, thought you said there were 90 guys on uh, who have the pro card. Now you're saying 126. The, there's 90 with the pro card, but there were 160 in this tournament. Oh, so you can show up and still play if you don't have a pro card. Yeah. There's other ways to get into the tournaments. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll check. Is that, is that, Actually, is it like that in were, golf too? Yeah. There were 57 uh, women that started the tournament. 29 made the cut. Um, there were hundred and in this case, 119 players who started the tournament and four, uh, 49 that made the cut. Uh, Will Brandstetter, my 54 year old dad and 15 year old brother play disc golf together now multiple times a week and go to tournaments together ever since COVID. I mean, you should have them watch this show. So you, um, when we're rich and famous, you can be like, yeah, dad, I missed the boat on that one. They really liked me, but I bailed on that. Okay. Mr. Brandstetter. Um, uh, uh, when, when do you use, uh, 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 I guess they, uh, a backhand or a, f- a forehand. So 
there's um, certain players that'll default to one or the other. Mm-hmm. The best players can do both. And the, usually the deciding factors are um, what is the wind doing? What direction do I want the disc to go? And the combination of those two things can will make the difference in that decision. Uh, and, also, ob- and obstacles too, right? If you're throwing a backhand and there's a tree in front of you and you don't have a forehand, you're kind of screwed. Definitely. Not screwed, of- but you got to use more of a, a hyzer, a hyzer. Yeah, if you're out of position, then you might be forced into a specific kind of throw. That's where you might see someone do a tomahawk or a grenade is if they have to, they can't go around and they have to go over. So having all of the tools in the bag are going to be, is going to be valuable. Most of the players on the tour will be default to the backhand when they can, but I would say 20% are forehand dominant players. Um, And like I said, they'll get the best guys in the sport can, can do both anytime they need to. Hey, um, Susan, I'm okay with tr- using more than seven seconds. Not more than 10, but seven. Like, let's flirt with disaster on the show. Let's see what happens. Uh, 17, um, 1720. Uh, Gannon had a spit out on hole three, and then hole four, uh, he makes this insane shot. So we saw the guy, we saw the guy get a spit out, and, um, and, and, and now he comes back, uh, which I'm guessing can be kind of difficult. Here we go. Yeah, so the one thing that sh- should be known about Gannon Bartoli is very good at putting. He's also one of the he his putt is extremely fast or hard, and so he's very accurate. But he rifles it in there at the basket, and in the middle of the chains is a pole. And if you throw it hard enough that it hits the pole, still with some like goes through the chains and hits the pole, sometimes it'll bounce back out. I'm not sure if this was one that did that exactly, or if it was one that actually went through the chains. But there are times that you throw a putt that. You're hitting your mark, and it still doesn't finish in the basket. It's called a spit out. It's unfortunate when it happens, but it does happen. Uh, sorry, uh, Susan. I think you found it, Susan. I think you just back up a little. I think I gave you a bad time code, but I think was you that, found it. Okay, that was it. That's what we're Yeah, Yeah, because that's Gannon Burr, who, who looks like Bill that Henniger. Is, that is actually Nate Sexton, the commentator. Oh. oh. <clears throat> that's Gannon Burr. Oh, that that looks like – oh, yeah, yeah, that is Gannon Burr. Sorry, sorry. So you do have it. This is the guy right here. Sorry. Thank you. Let's see. Hit play on this. Let's see what happens. Has he? Has he, He's going over to take the shot. Seventeen twenty. Nope. Before then, tall, skinny guy. Go back to seventeen twenty. That was him. Not this guy. Yeah, this guy. Yeah, right here. Let's go. Let's yeah, wasn't. Yeah, it was like. Okay, seventeen twelve. Here we go. Action. Oh, we're gonna have to back up a little bit more. We missed it. Yeah, but he throws a pretty good putt. It hits the chains very hard, and it doesn't it doesn't go in the basket. What you're asking about is, you know, how do you bounce back from something like that? It's it's gonna like there is definitely an element of luck that ha- in disc golf at times, and when something doesn't go your way, um, how you respond to it is uh, is quite honestly sometimes a difference between the great and the rest of the guys. Hey, how do, how do you, how do you move a YouTube scrubber up one second at a time? I know L and J move it forward and back ten seconds. What is? Are there some keys that just move it one second at a time? I don't know. I'll I'll Google search it. But this okay. is the guy we're looking for, right? Yep, I'm, yep. You got it now. Sorry. Okay. I'm like feeling my way through the dark. Yep, yep. You're doing, okay, You're doing good. 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 Let's see. Let's watch this shot. This is a great shot. And you know what's interesting? These guys get these guys get a little timid. There's a lot of strategy to the game. I noticed, like they won't take risks that they don't feel like they need to take. 
Well, that depends on who it is. Um, okay. So throughout the tournament, you know, uh, one of the best players in the world's name is Eagle McMahon. And he had a lot, he's one of the best putters in the world too, but there were a lot of holes that he chose to just lay it up under the basket and accept his par instead of running a birdie putt from 30 to 60 feet away. There's a, the, the defending world champion is named Paul Macbeth. And he almost, he almost never does that because he's so confident that even if he misses and it goes 35 feet past that he's going to make it coming back. Oh, interesting. Almost every time. I noticed and these guys were playing very safe today. I saw very few long putts, very few. Uh, yeah. In the, well, and it might depend also on like the time of the tournament, you know, early on in the tournament, you may play a little bit more conservatively later on when you know it's exactly on the line, you might, and you have to chase the guy down. You might be more aggressive, but if you're in the lead, you might be more conservative. And I did see the crazier shots at the end. You're right. I saw the crazier shots at the end. I, Paul Macbeth ended up finishing sixth in this tournament. He was tied for second. Uh, He would have finished in second if he had parred the last hole. He ended up taking a double bogey on it, which was his worst score of the tournament, I think, on any hole. But he he was very aggressive throughout the entire tournament. And I think in hindsight, if there were a few times he chosen to lay up, that he might have actually won this thing. But you Uh, don't know that at the time. Right. Uh, 1830. How about this guy? This guy licks his fingers. Is this this normal? 1830? Uh, Sexton. Uh, Is it Nate Sexton? (laughs) Gives his fingers a lick. Watch this. Watch this guy. Here, let's see if I got this. Sexton, first of all, is um, a forehand dominant player, so he throws he can throw the backhand, but he throws the forehand more often than the backhand. And he has a few kind of ticks or you know, uh, routines that he goes through. And usually, yeah, he'll give his fingers a little lick just to again, that's like inside of the chalk bag, just to get a little grip on the disc that he wants. And then he also has a little like unique thing that he does when he putts where he spins the disc around and around before he putts. Okay, let's see. Here we go. Lick it, lick it, lick it, buddy. Lick it, lick it. Oh, I must have missed the lick. God, I'm giving you some bad time codes. You know what happens, Susan, is I watch this at one and a quarter speed, and I wonder if that's why. Oh, there he is. There he is. You saw it. You saw it. You saw the lick. Yeah, and I mean, basically, having a good grip on the disc is important. And so having a good lick on the disc is important. Yeah. If the lick gives a good grip, then I think Trish knows more about that than me. But you'll have a, yes. you know a more true flight. Uh, at 24 minutes, Gannon attacks the basket from the furthest out I've seen yet. It's on hole six. Uh, yep, yeah, hole six. Uh, 24 at 24 minutes. So someone previously had asked, um, what's what is the distance that's considered a putt? So there's two. There's a called circle one. That's 33 feet cir- circumference. Or radius, I guess. Radius I heard him the using basket. that term. Yeah. And if you're inside 33 feet, it's a putt, and you're not allowed to move your feet forward. Oh. If you're inside 66 feet, it's circle two, which he's either in circle two or even beyond it at this point. And in this time, you can jump forward, step forward, or do whatever you want as long as you start behind your disc. And this is still considered a putt. If okay. you throw it in the basket from outside of 66 feet, then it would be considered a throw-in, not a putt. Okay, so so he can take a step forward. He does. Mm-hmm. And he, did Wait. he make that one? Oh, who the fuck knows? I guess we don't get to see. Oh, here we go. Back again. Action. Oh, that's some stuttery shit. But it's in. All right. Yeah, so that's a step putt from circle two. So he's it's probably close to 66. It's probably close to the end of circle two. So 60-ish feet, and he made the putt from there. 
Good job, Gannon. Uh, hole seven. Uh, they said people uh, uh, will use their putter on a 315-foot hole. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Did I hear that right? A putter to a mid-range. But if, if, you have, if you're 315 feet away, you'll pull out your putter? I will not because I can't throw my putter that far. But these are the best guys in the world. In general, the slower the disc is, the more control you should have with it or the easier it is to throw it straight or to get it to do what you want. If it's th- if there's ho- holes that are between 300 and 350 feet, you're probably just going to throw the disc that you feel most comfortable with. And there are definitely guys playing in this tournament that would throw putters on those holes. Uh, can you step past your disc in circle two or still have to stay behind? You can step past it or jump past it as long as you start behind, as long as you let go of the disc while one foot is still on the ground behind it. Yeah, it looked like he stepped. Okay, it looked like he stepped. So his okay. he's, his right foot is on the ground behind his mark. He's stepping forward. His left foot is in the air in front of his disc, bef- and it and he lets go of the disc before his left foot touches the ground. Uh, uh, Molly wants to know if if uh, if it's which color disc gets spit out of the holes more often. It's a different different show, Molly. Uh, this is a golf show. Uh, okay, uh, twenty seven forty seven. Uh, and this is for you, Molly. Assume, de- we should probably always assume that it's like five seconds before whatever you said. Okay, that's that's or is that where we're at? Okay, good. And uh, and this is uh, Gannon uh, gets another. We're looking at Garrett uh, Gurthy here, but in a second you're going to see uh, Gannon uh, get spit out again. I know Molly likes this. Uh, Gannon Burr, the 17 year old. Uh, so he's in the first circle, right? Yeah, so that's pretty. That is pretty unfortunate, right there. I mean, he throws a good putt. It's coming in with the nose down. It's right in the middle of the chains. But it was so so much velocity that. Can you pause this a second, Um, uh, uh, What uh, what's the what are the red uh, ticks? Little red hairs coming out of the ground there. That's circle one. There's two sets of red circles, uh, red ticks marking a circle. The first one is the bullseye, so that's within 11 feet. The next one is the circle one, that's 33 feet. And then there's blue uh, feathers at 66 feet that mark circle two. What are the white ones out there? That's out of bounds? White is out of bounds, yeah. And if you go out of bounds, you pick up a stroke? Correct. There's out of bounds and there are hazards. If it's in a hazard, you have to play it from where it lies and add a stroke. If it's out of bounds, normally you play it from the last point it crossed inbounds and add a stroke. Otherwise, you will go to a drop zone and add a stroke. Hmm. I, I, would, I would like to be curious to see why they have out of bounds. What the thought there is. There are a that. variety of different reasons why you would have out of bounds. Um, sometimes it's because, uh, not on this course, but in some courses, maybe there's like barbed wire over there. So we're going to put out a bounce because we don't want the players going over there because it's dangerous. Sometimes there's another fairway that's running adjacent to your fairway. And we don't want the players on hole seven throwing into 14's fairway. So that would be out of bounds. Sometimes they do it to demand accuracy. So they'll say, well, you know, this is a wide open golf course and we don't want players just throwing it as far as they can in any direction and being able to play. So we're going to put some parameters on what's allowed. It seems though the best players in the world shouldn't be punished for going out of bounds because they're clearly not doing it on purpose. Sometimes there's water and if it goes in the water, it's out of bounds. Sometimes there's a whatever. Um, uh, Fergie had an interesting uh, comment here. Uh, He said, uh, where was it? Oh, it's, is it already gone? Said, uh, Hmm. I lost it. Oh, uh, disc golf is therapy for chronic masturbators. I, I, I don't know if that's true, but um, from the look of these guys, it could be. 
okay, so Gannon had another spit out there. That sucks for him. Uh, let's go to 3058. Uh, Gannon behind a tree on hole eight. And this is where he has to, this is, I guess, where it pays to be six foot five because it gives him a little more reach around objects. Definitely. And, 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 why, and if he was uh, ambidextrous here, he could do a, uh, he could a do left a left-handed handed, uh, forehand. Uh, he would do probably do, a, he could do a left-handed backhand or forehand from here. Right, right, right. Okay, let's watch this action. Oh my God, he's bombed. He's yeah, bombed. He was, he was having a rough uh, front nine with the putting for sure. A whole eight, Gannon uh, Burr uh, struggling, but only 17 years old. Lots of uh, time to still get his groove on. And uh, Brian says he's one of the best. Okay, Paul McBeth, uh, 33 26. Uh, this will be the longest. Oh no. He actually doesn't make it in the basket. This won't be the longest shot you see of the day, but it will it'll be one of the better shots. I don't think he, he puts it in. This is uh, at 180 feet. Yeah. And uh, Macbeth is the current world champion, you said, Brian? Is that what you said? He's a defending world champion. He's a six-time world champion. And in the last 10 disc golf world championships, he's finished first or second every time. Wow. Okay. So he's he's like the GOAT. He's, he's considered like Tia. The, he's, he's like... I would say he's more like like Rich. Okay. Okay, more like Rich. Okay, here we go. Oh, and he looks senior. Wow. Yeah, so, so that hit the flag, huh? Yeah. And um, I, I actually always have some, like, on uh, some courses and some holes, they have the flags on top of the basket like that, and on some they don't. Um, the reasons for having them there vary. It could be just to have a, a better line of sight because sometimes there's hills so you can see where it is. Sometimes they're there to, to help the players get a wind read. In this case, though, nobody is like there's very few people in the world that are trying to make that. He's trying to make that. And you can tell by the way he's throwing it. It wouldn't be coming in that high if he wasn't trying to make that putt. And that's what I was saying earlier is he's more aggressive than hard, almost anyone else, because even if that misses and goes 40 feet past, he he's. He knows he's going to make it 19 out of 20 times. It's a brilliant throw. Yeah. And he's got, I mean, the beautiful throw. I've, when I, the first time I ever watched disc golf, I watched with my brother and he'd been playing and watching before me. And he's told me, um, we watched whatever, some guys on the card. And then they showed the finals. And in the finals, in sixth place or seventh place was Paul McBeth. And he goes, that guy's in the top 10 of every tournament. He's the best player out there, along with one other guy. And even, and three years later, he still is in the mix in every single tournament. I got to get him on the podcast. Yeah. He would be the, like the best. If we could get him on, that would be incredible. He I, also think, he, I think a, I heard he's 37. He might be. Yeah. He also has a um, foundation called the Paul Macbeth foundation that starting, I think about 18 months ago has been putting in disc golf courses in um, like underserved civil civilizations internationally, which is pretty cool. Underserved civilizations. Uh, communities, maybe is a better word. I like it. No, let's go civilizations. I like that's good. I haven't heard that before. So that's 180 feet, guys. Guys, that's a um that's a shot. Uh 34 minutes. Uh Garrett Guthrie. Girthy. Uh, f- uh, yeah, Girthy. Yeah, Girthy. Uh <clears throat> Guthrie. No, Guthrie. I have a Guthrie. Uh from his knees. From his knees. I used to do this at the beach just to show off. 
just catch one and just not even stand up all the way and throw it. I'm assuming he's not doing it to show off. He's doing it because there's some obstacles in his way and it was the, they thought it was the best line to the basket. Um, Garrett has Garrett Gerthy is not as old as Paul Macbeth, but he in in disc golf, in order to have a rating, you have to have a a, a, a number like a pro tour number. So my number is like two zero four one four six because I was a two hundred and fourth four thousand one hundred forty sixth person to sign up. Garrett Gerthy's number is like under ten thousand because he started playing when he was six years old, and he's been playing ever since. Um. He also makes wow. uh, Garrett Gerthy's uh, beef jerky. That's pretty good. If anyone out there likes beef jerky. Oh, shit. We should that's get his, him on, that's too. A logo I don't, I don't approve G of his jacket. I want to tell you, I don't approve of his jacket. I don't think that that's like <laughs> – there are a couple things out here that I saw that don't make me take the sport seriously, and that, that jacket's one of them. I don't – like, there's no um, – I know it's windy out there, by the way. For those of you who are wondering how windy it is, I think they actually said it was 30 to 40 miles per hour yeah so like i said this tournament takes place in vegas it's the first tournament every year but it was uh it's never really good weather for this tournament it's always variable weather like it can be from like 40 to 70 degrees and a lot of times sometimes you'll get a good wind day but a lot of times it's like 20 to 30 mile an hour winds and they're not sustained they're uh, gusts podcast needs a lot of beef jerky uh Sevan spent a lot of time on his knees in his homeless face that's not that doesn't that's not even funny Sevan always showing off from his knees that's a little better not bad not bad uh okay uh get so uh gannon uh 34 uh we go back to gannon burr the 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 17 year old has put on 25 pounds of muscle uh he's got a short miss here and and I don't, I don't know why i have so many of his misses i like the guy but he's just having a tough day action oh my goodness oh that my was goodness. just a bad putt he just uh was a little bit he list it was like a little bit too jerky i guess not a single birdie on hole nine yeah that, that day tough hole i guess very tough Okay, uh, round two highlights. Uh, Sousa, we're switching to a new YouTube clip. Uh, this guy that we are about to uh, see for the first time in the show, his name is Kevin Jones. And uh, so, just to, just to, please, those guys that were on the coverage in round one were were selected to be on that coverage. They were, you know, the uh, you get a tee time and a group to play your first round in because everyone's coming with zero as their score. After the first round, the top four players get to play together. The next four players get together and all the way down. The last four players get to play together. The last four players tee off earliest in the day and the best players tee off later in the day, just like golf. So now in this second and third round, we're just going to do some highlights from the rounds instead of showing like specific stuff like that. And so they're going to mostly feature the guys that are leading the tournament. So that first round, the, the film crew that picks them um, to follow them or no, the, tournament, yeah, the film crew that the tournament assigns the groups. And then, and then Joey Gomez is like, hey, he's like the Buttery Bros or like Hamilton Road. He's like, hey, there's Noah, Tia, um, uh, Brooke, and um, Colton Mertens, and we're going to pick them. <clears throat> there's something called a featured card. Yeah. It's the last four players to tee off in round one, and that's what Gomez will cover. There's a second featured card. And, and why, why are they the featured card? They're the best dudes from the previous year? 
every tournament does it a little differently. It might. How say, many dudes? How many dudes rolled together? Four, six, foursomes. Eight? Foursomes. Yeah. Never more. Another, very, very, very rarely would there be more. There could potentially okay. be. Yeah, there's almost always four. Uh, Patrick Clark celebrating the golf show. Uh, you son of a bitches did it. We did it. We're doing it. Haven't done it yet. Okay. Uh, so uh, here's some highlights. Uh, round two highlights. We have a granny shot from Kevin Jones. Kevin Jones uh, is a name you want to remember. Him and Calvin will be the leaders, um, and they duel it out to the very last hole, which we will get to soon. But Kevin Jones is quite the quite the player. Here we go. Kevin Jones with a granny shot. Oh, no, it's called a, what did you call it? I call it a granny shot. What do you call it? Straddle putt. Straddle putt. He's probably going to do, I don't even see him in this frame right here, but he's probably going to do a straddle jump putt. He has mm-hmm. a nickname as Jump Putt Jones and also KJ USA. He's a very popular, very athletic, dynamic player. He can do some stuff with the disc that a lot of guys can't do, but he is also the, him and Garrett Gerthy are the two best players that use a straddle putt as their default putting. Action. Look at all those people out there. Wow. So so because he's outside of the circle one, he can jump forward like that as he does. And in, and in his case, and in a lot of the players cases, they'd rather be 34 feet from the basket than 32 because jumping or stepping will create more accuracy or allow them to get to the, the disc on the line. They want with more velocity than standing still inside the circle. Uh, and, and, uh, like Brian keeps pointing out, um, you, you, you pick a chain and, uh, he picked a side chain, but he picked that side chain because at the last minute, and like Brian's been saying, the nose turned down and hit that chain perpendicularly. And people will, you know, put with, put with different angles, just like they'll throw with different angles. So he's intentionally, and it's probably because of what the wind is doing. He's probably, he's having mm. this putt come in at a hyzer angle and he wants it yep, to hit yep. the chains there on the low right side where he knows it's going to go in. Some and you can guys, tell that by the flag, right? The, the wind, he throws it into the wind a little off, right. And then it blows in. Mm-hmm. Was it, w- w- do they use the term hook shot? We would call them hook shots. No, 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 no hook shot. I've got to learn new vernacular. Ours is more of a hood vernacular. Hood, we played hood frisbee. <laughs> we did hood frisbee. We were usually there was a lot of drugs and alcohol involved. Uh, okay, so a, a straddle butt by Ke- a straddle uh, shot by Kevin Jones. That's a horrible uh, uh, still photo of that guy in his ass right there. By the way, you should go ahead and play play that out, Susan. Let's not keep him in that position. Boom. Yeah, that's nice. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Okay, uh, 202, um, uh, high on the chains. Explain this to us. I guess it's not good to hit the chains high. Generally, no. You want to be in the middle or the bottom of the basket when you're coming in because there's just more less room for air. This is Simon Lazat who's about to putt. Simon is a German. He was born in Germany. He's been living in the U.S. for a long time. He's probably one of the most beloved disc golfers in the world. He has a YouTube channel that is the most popular YouTube channel in disc golf. And this offseason, he switched from a company that he was basically like he and the company grew up together for the past decade. And he switched to a different company that made him basically made him a financial offer that he could not turn down. And similarly to CrossFit, there's only a few players that have the earning potential to really be considered professional. 
But two years ago, Paul Macbeth was given a $10 million 10-year contract by Discraft, wow. which is one of the manufacturing companies. Wow. And a lot of the other companies have had to raise their offers to, you know, to keep their players uh, interested. So um, that, that contract has driven forward the earning potential for many of the players. And Simon won four tournaments last year, which is really, really difficult to do. And uh, he's, he got rewarded for it in the offseason. But he switched his discs. And playing with, you know, these guys are good and they can throw anything. But when you're talking about the smallest of margins at this at the highest level, there it takes time to kind of work your discs in, beat them in, trust them, understand exactly which ones to use in which circumstances. And we would expect I would expect him to have a bit of a regression this year. You know, he still might do well, but he won't do as well as last year, I don't think, because he had 10 years of experience with those discs. And now he has like five months. Uh, so they did say that they kept offering up that excuse for one of the guys. Is this the guy that said he switched discs and he's and he's going to definitely struggle a little bit? Several this players actually made some switches this off season. He's one. Okay. Of, he's probably he's he's the most high profile one who has. Uh, let me explain the physics to you of why it's important to uh, for the disc to go low in the basket. Up at the top of the basket, there's fewer links, and so the chain is more rigid. I have no idea what I'm talking about. But it just makes sense to me, right? The more if you hit it lower, there's more play in the links because there's more there's more play in the in the strip because there's more links for it to bend at. And if you hit it up higher, it's like hitting more of like a wall and it bounces off, right? Possibly. The the links are a little bit more densely congregated in the bottom, so it's less likely to like slide through the di- through the chains. Oh, no, I like my explanation. After like my it hits the chains, it still has to drop to the basket. And especially yeah. on a windy course like this, even that drop down of one foot can sometimes yeah. the wind can blow the disc out. Yeah. 30 to 40 mile an hour winds is uh, for people who don't know. It, I mean, these discs are lighter than just your 170 gram, uh, you know, ultimate Frisbee disc. I mean, heavier, significantly heavier. No, but- no, they're, they're the discs the players are using will mostly range from 155 to 176. Okay, so they're lighter, but they feel heavier because they're smaller. They're denser. Yeah. <clears throat> but, but but throwing in winds at 10 miles and up with a Frisbee is just crazy. Yeah, I mean, for amateur players, I would say playing They disc couldn't golf play in this. They couldn't uh, play in 30 to 40 mile an hour winds. No, playing player. disc golf in the wind when you don't know what you're doing is not even fun. Right. For me, it would be a blast. I need those types of challenges. Anyway, Simon's high in the chain. Whether you want to believe my reason or Brian's reason or both reasons, it's no good. You don't don't go high in the chain. A uh, two twenty nine, a guy, uh, a guy hits the hole. So he, he, I don't know what you call that thing. He hits the bat. The what do you call that 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 device that is the hole? The basket. The basket. He hits the basket. But but not where the chains are, and then it just sits there underneath it. When that happens, you can go ahead and play the Susan. Can you just set it in? Like, do you? What mm-hmm. are the rules of putting it in the basket if you can just set it in the basket? Yes, yeah, so this is Anthony Barella, and look at bam. Yeah, you can't he get hit, any closer. Right, he hit the 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 bottom of the basket, and it just sits there. So he can go stand next to his disc as long as his foot's behind it, and if he can reach it, he can just drop it in the basket. Um, Anthony Brella is one of the other high profile players that changed his, um, discs this off season. He joined up with Discraft, which is where Paul Macbeth is. And it's actually kind of a cool story because Anthony Brella as a young kid, like in 2015, he think he's only like 22 or three now, but in 2015, maybe 
he's he went on tour with Paul Macbeth and Nate Sexton, and they were all playing for Innova at the time, which is a sponsor for this tournament. And he like was learning from two of these the best players in the world as this young up and coming kid. He's won junior worlds, he's won amateur worlds, he's uh, he's like going to be a problem, a top ten player in the world for many years, I think. Um, and he was in the contention to win this tournament for a long time as well with brand new discs. I can't believe he wears those glasses <laughs> when he plays. Those glasses are crazy. Um, I wear I think I, I wear glasses a lot when I play. Uh, Do you wear those kind like those those? It's like those buttery bro glasses. They're like ski goggles. I mean, everyone has their preferences. One of the things that one of the reasons I wear them is so that like uh, like this is a very dry course and is very windy. So if like the dust particles aren't blowing around in my eyes or whatever. But most right. of the players don't wear glasses. Um, uh, it also, uh, once you are familiar with the players on the tour and you're familiar with Anthony Barella and you're a fan, you can call him AB. That's what he's affectionately known as, AB. That's right. Very good. Thank you. Showing off a little bit. Uh, 322. Uh, we have uh, Simon here with his uh, new discs uh, going for a long putt that's worth uh, recognizing. Another page done. So Simon uses what's called a spin putt instead of a push putt, and it's pretty good at cutting through the wind. Um, that was a lucky shot, dude. That that didn't even hit the chains. Yeah, so this hit the band and drops in from the top. They call it like elevator down, basically. And it's, uh, yeah. like Oh, I, no, maybe it hit the chains. Or no. But he, you can just tell by looking at his body reaction here that it, he didn't hit his line exactly, and he got lucky that it snuck in. He'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, and uh, four twenty-four. Um, this is Andrew. I don't know his last name, but at this point, he's the leader. Andrew Marweed, this young guy from Michigan. He, <laughs> I, man, I have seen this guy get more unlucky in some crazy situations than probably anyone else when I've been watching disc golf. But his composure, despite having some terrible luck at times is very impressive. He also is famous for using a cookie as his marker for his disc and around the green. And if he makes big putts, he'll pick it up and eat the cookie. <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh, that's, that's clever. Wow. A treat. That's very clever. I like that. Uh, okay. So, uh, uh, four Can we see his, his throw? Oh, sorry. Four twenty. So this is a, a good example. We saw Simon's putt came in on that angle. We saw, Kevin Jones' putt came in at that hyzer angle. This putt, because of the tree, he had to step out to the right, and he threw it on an anhyzer angle, and then it flexes back and goes in the chains because he knows it's still an overstable putter, but he has to get it started out on the left, drifting to the right, and then come back to the middle. So it's a more demanding shot. Let's see, the anhyzer. And you saw it just like flattened out a little bit, and if it kept flying, it would have gone back to the right. So he started on the left side, worked it back to the middle, hit the chain center. Great shot. Uh, 6.18, uh, the last on this YouTube video. Uh, check out this uh, footwork and handwork from this guy. This is uh, this guy puts together quite the, the, the dance moves here. Check this out. I don't know who this is. This oh, same, again. same guy, yeah. That's the dance moves you picked up? Yeah. It's just a little cross step, and this is a very touchy shot. He's well, like it's a very slow disc. With the, this is an easy shot. Licked his hand, licked his hand. Yeah, just to get a little no, bit better grip. 
hold holds the uh holds the backside of the disc holds the disc with two hands until the last minute too like during the wind up he's bracing the disc with his left hand mhm wow look at you look at you Souza. pulling out all the youtube there's a little tools. cross step a little follow through and this is just a one angle slow disc hyzer shot into the green it's probably going to land 15 feet short and just slide right up to the pin it's beautiful all righty. Uh, Young Simon throws a 300-foot high spike hyzer. Philly, Philly B. There's some incredible <laughs> incredible footage out there of things that uh, Simon has done. Uh, the final front nine. And here we go. I think this is uh, – oh, no. Okay. So what we're, what we're embarking here in the last hour, half hour of the show – holy shit, I wonder if we can do it is uh, we're going to take you through the last 18 holes, and you're going to see the winner of this tournament, and it gets intense. I don't know if they're all this good, but we have a pretty uh, fantastic finish that takes us all the way to uh, to the 18th hole. Yeah, Maybe that's the point of why golf is so exciting, because it is you put in all that work watching these guys, and then in the 18th hole, it all comes down to just two guys or three guys. Yeah, and I would say more often than not, in, with the way that disc golf is right now, in terms of the, competi- the competition at the top, it's you know there's going to be two to four guys in every tournament with you know two to three holes to play. These guys just seem like they have no muscle mass. I need some eye candy. Anyone, anyone on the tour, uh, a crossfitter? Um, there are some guys in the tour that you would certainly be impressed with their muscle mass. In fact, although he never made it onto any of the coverage that we're showing, there's a guy named Ezra Aderhold. I, someone in the comments already me- mentioned Ezra Aderhold. Ezra Aderhold. Is that a, is that a joke Ezra name? Aderhold. It's one of the. It's one of the. I think it's Barry McCockiner's second alias. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ezra Aderhold. And Ezra is uh, very serious about his fitness. I saw someone was asking. He's very. He's in very good shape. I saw someone was asking about Brody Smith earlier. Mm. Um, Brody Smith is actually relevant in the disc golf. He's not. He's probably not relevant to win any tournaments, but he's can be a top twenty player this year if he if he plays a little bit better. And um, he lost forty pounds in the off season by changing wow. his exercise regimen and diet. Wow. Uh, tested. A great question, Mason. Any testing going on here in uh, in frisbee golf? I I don't think so. Does anyone call it Frisbee golf? Very infrequently, I would say. I mean, that's that's going to be my thing then. One guy puts a cookie down on the um, – oh, it is. Look at that, dude. Look at how he spells his name. It's a fucking Simpsons name. That's crazy. Okay, so he's yoked. All right. Get some, Ezra. This he looks is like a foreigner. Picture. Is That's he a foreigner? Picture of him. Is that that can't be? That's from this year. Wow. Yeah, this is you know this is the guy. Yeah. Is he a foreigner? No. Oh. He has a strong glutes. Look at that. Yeah, nice for that straddle shot. He's got. That's the coolest thing about being like a golfer or tennis guy or whatever. You can just wear the tightest clothes and it's all just good. This is that I guy. Mean, that guy finished. brings his girlfriend on tour with him for sure. A lot of the players do. I don't know if he has a girlfriend, but. This finish of tied second for him at a pro tour event is probably one of his best finishes ever. Hey, uh, how many followers does this guy have? This about guy doesn't even have about fifty k. Hey, is that a can of chew in his pocket? Wow, it is. Is that a boy? That's a that's a mini. 
So that's what that's a, a disc that's about this big that he'll take out of his pocket to mark his disc once it's on the green. That's what that the one guy said. He sometimes uses a cookie instead of a meal. Oh. It's one of those buzzers they give you like at restaurants to tell you when your food's ready. That's that's a marker. I like Phil. Phil, do you know who this is? Philly B. He's he's like this is our number one fan for the show. He's like, oh, I hope this show works out. Okay, um, let's do it. the The final front nine. Uh, wind is insane. Uh, it's the first in these conditions for some of these guys. I believe Brian. Some of these guys they were saying have never played in thirty to forty mile an hour winds. Uh, and uh, and, and there was a guy who said it's the first time he's played for sure with these discs and these type of uh, winds. Um, this course was developed in two thousand sixteen. It's the uh, Wild Horse Course. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I think so. It has 8,762 feet of throwing. It's a par 61. And when, when, it, when it says 8,762 uh, 8, feet of, of course, that means from where you stand when you throw it, wherever that is, to, to the hole, and you add up all the holes, it equals 8,700 feet. Is that correct? Yes. And then a skill level 4.5, which means nothing to me because I don't know how high they go. Does it go to 10? 5.0. Oh, all right. Well, then it sounds like pretty hard. Most, most of the best courses in an area will be rated somewhere between 4.2 and 4.5. And um, uh, Trish wants to know, why is this giving me a headache? It's not this show. Change the batteries in your vibrator, Trish. Okay. Uh, 557 uh, AB, Anthony Burrell, as some of you know him. Uh, it's, a, it's a putt off the basket. Not a good day for, not a good day for Anthony. Yeah, Anthony was leading the tournament after two rounds. He's still in the top four coming into this round. This is the first hole, and he just – I mean, it's not a bad putt. It's from far away. He was on a knee. Like you said, it's windy. This it's actually a skipper is a off the rim. It's a skipper off the rim. Yeah, so if that's two inches left, it's in. and But if it's one inch lower, it could get on edge and roll out of bounds. It could roll back down the hill. So for hitting the basket and missing, that was actually a great result called that a skipper and, and when i used to play hood disc uh 612 uh this is hey i even noticed what a casual throw this is and um and the commentators even were concerned about how casual this guy is uh his name's eagle mc uh mcmahon maybe you can play the audio on this and we can hear the commentators they it, it takes a little while but they're they finally say hey man that seemed a little casual a little too casual well, watch out watch how this guy throws here eagle and mcmahon not taking his job C2 seriously so far this weekend yeah, he hasn't made a one. Not wow, a single one. Not a single one outside the circle for Anthony. And Barilla. to be here in second place, just imagine if those were dropping. So, yeah, I mentioned earlier. We take a little break. Hold on. Let, let him keep oh. playing. Hold on a little bit more. Keep playing. Sorry, Brian. Kevin Jones, an opportunity right off the bat, and he is off the band. Hold on. Just, him. Sorry, are you surprised to see Eagle just lay that up so casually? Yeah. It was too, it was just it was just like it was like it's like he's not doesn't realize he's at work. It's like he wants to get back to something. What what what's he's up? Kind with of been Eagle? doing it this tournament. Yeah, but there's not a lot of oh. wind at the moment. The flag. Totally I I agree, out. gentlemen. I agree, gentlemen. He's been doing it a lot. What's so up with is, the eagle? I mean, it is somewhat noteworthy here. This is the first hole. It's the last round. I had mentioned earlier on the show that Eagle had a lot of opportunities to run putts from that distance in this tournament, and he didn't. 
Now, and this hole is a good, is actually just a microcosm of the entire course. Most of the baskets are in very precarious locations. So from where he was putting, which is down at the bottom of the hill, if he misses low and hits the basket, eight out of 10 times, probably on this course, it's going to get on edge and roll right back to where he was or further away. If he airballs it long and he puts with a great amount of speed, so if he misses the basket altogether, it's probably going to go over that hill and out of bounds. So he was just taking all the risk out of the situation and saying, instead of going for this putt and maybe getting a stroke, I'm just going to lay it up, take my par, and move on to the next one and avoid uh, the big number. Don't question Eagle. He's a badass. Fine. <clears throat> Eagle, uh, McMahon, Eagle McMahon had an injury last year, and he, was, he only played in a couple events. If you want to see the best disc golf that you'll ever see, I would go watch the European Championships any round, either of the last two rounds. The battle between him and Paul Macbeth set so many records of the best two players relative to a course, relative to par, relative to uh, like a, a rating. It was incredible. And Eagle did all of that without throwing a single forehand, which is arguably his best shot because of an elbow injury, and on several short throws even threw it left-handed. In a tournament. How, how did he major. hurt himself? How did he hurt himself? Probably just throwing the discs too many times, too aggressively. Because they did say that they wonder if he'll ever get back to his um Yeah, his top he threw, as from what I saw this weekend, he only threw one forehand the whole weekend. Uh, Steven uh, Plyler, did Sevon lose a bet to do this show for Brian? There are rumors of that uh, circulating. I cannot confirm or deny. I definitely was not on Epstein's Island. Uh, 709 uh, shoots with a backpack on. This is like, what the fuck, dude? I don't approve of just a lazy throw from the Eagle. I don't approve of uh, this guy's fucking wearing a jacket, Stephen Andrews or whatever his name is. And I don't approve of this backpack shot. What, what, what? Come on, boys. Come on. Do you think Paul Macbeth shoots with a backpack on? Let me see the shot. Yeah. Okay. From, if they're within 10 feet, yes. 709. Hi, I don't I haven't seen there we go. Look at this guy. Oh, this is the same. This is the same guy. This is uh Eagle. Mr. Uh fucking yeah. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Mr. Eagle. No, that's not true at all about him. Okay. All right, fine. We'll give him a we'll give him a pass. Uh so this guy shoots with the back hook on. You're okay with that. You're saying from less than ten feet. Yeah, I'm sure there are times that he wouldn't do that, but in this case, it's fine. Uh, okay, uh, this guy, uh, 1126, oh, back to the Eagle, 1126, what's this guy Eagle doing near the out-of-bounds line? Um, well, I remember this shot. I, I, and I, I, don't, I don't mean that facetiously. The commentators uh, say that he should give himself more room or something. So explain to us what's going on here, if you can. So if you throw, if you throw the disc out-of-bounds or if your disc is in-bounds but within – um, a meter of out-of-bounds, you're allowed to take a meter away from the out-of-bounds line in any direction you want. The reason being is because you're not allowed to throw your disc with a with a, any part of your body standing out-of-bounds. So you can take a meter and then you can get a stance where your entire body is in-bounds. They might be saying if that's his disc there on the lower right, that that's within a meter of out-of-bounds and he should move a little bit closer to the basket or further away from out-of-bounds to improve his footing. And if he's choosing not to do it, then they're questioning why. Okay, let's see. So maybe he's playing too strict by the rules. A uh, Sevon Spring for YouTube Premium. I know. I don't know what's going on here. It's probably just not signed into the right account. Okay, so so right there, you're sa they're saying that he could have 
move that out further to give himself more room. They're saying that that's not three feet. Yeah. Even the commentators are like, yo, dude, give yourself a little more room. And look, at like, it was inbounds by less than an, maybe an inch. So there's a, so uh, why? Where's the out of bounds? The path. But oh, any, onto if, the grass. Any part of the disc is on the grass in this case, then it's inbounds. Oh, so. If that so, disc was one inch closer to us, it would be out of bounds. No shit. Wow. But because it's inbounds by an inch, he can take up to a meter from that spot and he can putt from there. And so, and, 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 and it's kind of there like the honor system, right? No, like no one's coming over there with a tape measure and pulling it out. They have, so there's a specific rule that you can take three foot lengths. If your foot is, is over, is a size, I think ten, nine or 10 or bigger. But if it's less uh-huh. than that, like yours, then you can get three foot lengths plus, uh, like the width of your foot instead of the length of your foot. Uh, Barry, my cockiner, uh, back to CrossFit quick. Uh, look at Ariel Lowen's story. Should those thrusters count? I don't need to go over there, and I'll tell you hers count for sure, 100%. Oh, and this is good. We good? Mr. Mr. McCockiner? Thank you, Susan. I pre- you approve of that? Okay. So, uh, sh- um, so, so he didn't take enough room there. Can we hear? Can you rewind that just a little bit and you and you play it out a little bit? And we hear the commentators to see if uh, Brian is as good as them or better. Let's see. Looks like it was just going to die next to the bullseye, but he's going to have a little bit of work there. Eagle McMahon. That's the smallest meter I've ever seen. Tiny. Give yourself the three full feet there. So he Eagle. basically he took three feet, three steps backwards, but he put it at the back of his second. Um, foot but Houston, he still has plenty of room to take his stance here so he's putting from where he wanted to and i think they're being a little bit overly critical right and and, and they're just loving on him they're, they're, they're it's a fellow player right yeah yeah and and i mean eagle mcmahon when healthy is one of the three best players in the world and those three players are in my opinion are a tier above everyone else even though they don't That's, win all the tournaments they're the they are the top three eagle paul and who's the other guy his name is Ricky Waisaki. He didn't play in this tournament. He's currently having a wrist injury. He's having a wrist injury. Oh, uh, he's he, he's dealing with a wrist injury. Um, right behind them is the in that next group is Calvin Heimberg and a couple other guys. And two years ago, there were four players rated over ten fifty. Those four guys: Calvin, Eagle, Paul, and Ricky. And uh, they were known as the ten fifty boys that year. Oh, and why is that? So the player ratings is an exponential scale and the top, I think the highest rating ever that anyone's had is in the low one ten sixties. Like Paul Macbeth might've been 1061 one year. Um, being over 1050 is insane. And four guys were that at one time, almost all of the guys that are playing on the pro tour now are somewhere between 1020 and 1040, or at least all the good players. There's a lot, like half of the field is a little bit less than that. Um, but uh, for example, my rating is like 890 or something, and it and it's it's exponential. So to go from 890 to 900 is not that hard. To go from 1030 to 1040 is very hard. Okay, fair. Uh, disc golf player. So oh, sorry, we went over this. Is there testing in disc golf? Drug testing? I haven't heard any controversy surrounding drugs in disc golf. He's avoiding the question. Uh, is there a standard basket height, uh, Brian? It, it looks like it varies. <clears throat> Um, 
there might be like a standard basket height for a traditional basket, but the, 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 each course and the disc golf pro tour that designs the course will have varied heights for their baskets. And I think that there's actually a, like a requirement to have at least two elevated baskets on the pro tour courses. So this is one of at least one of two on the course. Have you ever seen one just sitting on the ground? I've never seen uh, that. There, not, not quite that, but there are some that are lower to the ground than average also. Okay. Uh, 1234, if you can play this clip with the audio. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm about to stump Brian here. You don't see this very often. We're going to ask him about some golf vernacular, and I suspect it's going to be tough for us to see uh, Brian um, swim in the deep end. Okay, here, here we go. Maybe that's the first squeak we've seen. <laughs> Pause. Brian, maybe that's the first squeak we've seen. The fuck is a squeak, please? I, I think I need more context there. Okay, can we rewind it a few more seconds and uh, and, and we'll give Brian... Uh, Brian, would you like to call someone? What is that called? Like a helpline? Uh, Phone a friend? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. There's not going to be any extra information here if it's helpful. Maybe that's the first squeak we've seen. I think that these those three guys do so much commentary together. There's probably a running thread to the conversation that they're referring to. But, yeah, it certainly could be that. He just barely slipped it over the edge, squeaked it in, maybe. Okay. So there's no. So you, you think I'm, I'm, I'm being too myopic and there's no a real um, uh, Frisbee vernacular there or jargon. It's just that it's just a just squeaked it in like like the mouse squeaked in. Nothing. Maybe special. I think oh, there's okay. probably a little bit more to it than than I would know from just what I didn't watch this um, post production coverage. I watched the live tournament and it was different guys doing the commentary. Right. That was kind of like name that tune and Jeopardy. Like I didn't give you a lot to work with. And there was a question. Okay, uh, here we go. Uh, part two. Let's see if Brian can redeem himself. We go to 1340 with some other uh, jargon uh, from the Jomez Pro coverage of the 2023 Las Vegas Challenge. Uh, at 1340, we hear a term here. Listen closely, people. Action. I don't know, 70 feet to the gate? So you got to get your line Ooh. right. And that wasn't uh. it. I mean, he does navigate the triple mando, but... So pause. He triple Mando. Triple Mando seems like something you do when you're on Molly in Polk Street in San Francisco. <laughs> hey, I'm doing the triple Mando, especially if you're a black dude. I'm doing the triple Mando. <laughs> it's short for mandatory. So a triple there, mandatory. Okay. In the case of that, when he says it's 70 feet to the gate, 70 feet uh -huh. away from the tee box is are, is that you know, erected barrier. Uh, can we see that again, uh, Sousa? The triple barrier, the triple mando means it has to go lower than the top one, to the right of the left one, and to the left of the right one. So it has to go through that gate. And okay. because there's and a that thing's called the triple mando. So uh, sometimes there'll be a tree right in, like thirty feet off the the tee pad, and there might be an arrow on it that says mando left. And that means your disc has to go to the left of that tree, and that'll eliminate maybe a spike hyzer line around the right side of the tree. So in this case, they're just demanding accuracy. It has to go through that those three barriers, and if it doesn't, then you have a penalty stroke and throw from a designated spot. 
Okay, but what, what – so I understand he's got to go right in the hole. Thank you, Will. Uh, familiar with that uh, uh, requirement. And But a triple mandatory – so mando is uh, is uh, short for mandatory, but what's a triple mando? There's three. Because the mandatory is not just to the left and not just to the right and not just below, but it's all three of those. Oh, oh. Why don't they call it a quad mando because the ground is there too? <laughs> The fuck a triple Mando. These fucking guys. Hey, so you're telling me that if you threw a fucking wild uh, uh, hyzer uh, up over the right side of the of that uh, structure and then had it tomahawk down into the hole, that's no good. It's got to go through there. Yeah, you would incur a penalty stroke and you would be forced to throw from a designated drop zone throwing your third shot. So there's two things that could have gone wrong here, people. Um, one, uh, usually a Frisbee w- w- for good Frisbee players, the Frisbee will go basically wherever you look there because it's called art in the Zen of archery, art in the Zen of motorcycle maintenance, art in the Zen of Frisbee, your body, once you get good enough, it, it'll, it'll do. So, I mean, I don't know so much on a windy day like this, but your body will just do what it needs to do to, 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 to get the Frisbee to go where you want it to go. Your eyes see it. It talks to your body. You've had enough practice and it just does it. But if you look at the wrong thing, like if you look at that pole, you'll hit that pole. I'm guessing that guy's good enough that that's not what happened. He just, this is just a late release. He just held onto the disc too long. It did make it through the triple mandatory, but then it hit something immediately. So he's way further. Oh, you think it made it through the triple mandatory? I think it hit that thing. I think, I think his high, I think he was throwing a good, if that triple, if that triple mando wouldn't have been there, that his hyzer shot was good enough that it was going to get near that basket, near that flag. I just think he just chose a a, a rough angle. No, I think he just lets it go a little late. Let's see. I'd put it right up over the top of that fucking thing. Let's see. It looks like it cleared it. It looks like it cleared it. When I watched this shot, I thought it got past the Mando, but then hit a tree. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Crazy. All right. Yeah. You're right. He he let it go late. It did. It didn't look like it had any hyzer on it. Actually, it didn't look like it was going to hook left at all. Right. It probably would have late in the flight, but it was a pretty a pretty flat release. He this he likes to throw something. This guy particularly likes to throw the hyzer flip to flat. So he releases it on a hyzer angle with an understable dip disc that flips up to fly flat for a long time and then finishes back to the left. God, I love it. I'm starting to like this. I'm starting to enjoy this. I'm going to go out. I have, a, I have a basket out across the street from my house. Tomorrow I'm going to take my discs out there and I'm going to throw like a 300 foot shot as many times as I can until it looks like I got a hole in one and I'm going to post it. How many discs do you have? I don't know. 10. I'd love to see them. Okay. I'll send you a picture. Uh, okay. So we now know what a triple Mando is. Oh, there he is. Uh, for the first time on the show, and now we're in 22 minutes, we have Calvin Heimber. Heimberg. He, well, we actually featured him right at the first minute of the show as well. Oh, okay. Calvin Heimberg makes his second appearance teaser. in the show. Very clever uh, 15, by the show director. Thank you. Uh, 1520. He's a great dude. Uh, 1527 Calvin with the great putt. He's a negative 25 here. That means he's 25 under par. Yeah. That's incredible. Usually in this tournament, 
you have to be close to 40 under par to win, but the conditions were, ex were extremely difficult on all four days this year. Uh, uh, they uh, put up a, a quintuple Mando uh, Supreme Community Fitness. Sounds like a white supremacist organization. Accuracy, strength, power, agility, coordination in one motion. Okay, let's see. Let's check it out. Calvin. Boom. Oh, could we rewind it a few <clears throat> seconds? Sorry. So that's a, I mean, this is a pretty good part. It is coming in a little high, but he's, it's just dying right in there at a pretty slow speed, and it's pretty unlikely that's going to miss. He has a fairly flat release on his putt, and the, one of the sayings that's pretty synonymous with Calvin's putt is, or he calls it, putting the pizza in the oven. He wants to release it flat so it can just go nice and smooth in the oven. So while some of the guys have that hyzer putt, his comes out mostly flat. And you is that a, a, What's the grenade shot, too? Because he's got like a – is that a grenade toss? No, uh, actually, the best grenade thrower is probably Kevin Jones. You, you grab it with your knuckles like this, and you throw it straight up in the air like that. Oh, it's in, it's crazy. What do you do that for? Trish knows. Okay. Uh, uh, to okay. go over the top of an object and then land land coming in uh, with an aggressive descent. Uh, hole five, a uh, six forty two, six hundred forty two, uh, par four. They said Eagle was injured and he's not the best version of himself. We reviewed that. Uh, we don't know exactly what happened, but Brian says it's just from uh, the game. 1919, uh, uh, Calvin. It, we get to see Calvin uh, feeling himself uh, on the on hole five. He got a little strut. Jordan Peterson yeah, also a was at the tournament, and uh, it was very impressive. Uh, he 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 loves the game. He understands the. Uh, intellectual prowess needed to play the game 1919 so a bit of an obstructed lie here but he fires it in there pretty good did i fuck that up too god i really fucking the time codes up i'm really sorry always go four seconds before what he says so you see there it's flying pretty flat and in this case i'm going to guess that he had a tailwind behind him which we could see the flag probably blowing in the same direction that he's throwing it yeah so the disc is going to start about at the height of the basket but the tailwind's going to drop it right into the middle of the basket uh hole 6 uh can't play safe because of the water uh i don't know it's not like that i don't know what my notes mean let's see 2206 maybe i'll remember when i see my notes uh, when i see the shot 2206 i think that there's a water uh, feature here that they have to clear yeah this is a oh here we go let me, let me mention this and then brian you talk about this they basically have to throw this disc onto a fucking island mm -hmm. and the guys are saying hey you can't play this safe and think that you're just going to throw it short um it could be, for for some reason it won't work we'll, we'll see if brian can explain it or maybe we'll play the video clip and they'll talk about it 20, uh, 2206 so this is, a, this is a short hole, but it has a very specific landing zone. It's only 222 feet. You're throwing it over out of bounds a majority of the time. And the problem is if you land on the right side of the basket, we're looking at like the reverse angle here. So at the left side of this, but the right side of the basket from the tee, it's a good chance that it can just bounce the wrong way and roll into the water and it's OB. If you miss it too far to the left, then you have to putt it straight back at the water. And there's hardly any space between the basket and the water. So if you miss that putt, most likely it's going to go in the water. So you're looking for a pretty narrow landing zone. But these guys are so good that most of them are getting birdies on this hole anyway. Uh, okay, can we play this? 22-24? Uh, or 22-24? Yeah, no, 22-06. Sorry, you're good. Okay, here we go. 
<clears throat> so Kevin's disc came up a little bit short here, but it's it was still safe, and he's only about 20 feet from the basket, which is a very routine putt for them. Okay, and that's where they were saying. You can see he throws it really hard at the basket, uh, not concerned that if he missed, it would go another 20 feet past it. And they were saying you ha he has to do that. I don't know why, for whatever the conditions are. You don't want to miss it low here because it could easily just roll down the hill into the water. If you miss it too high, it's going to go past. But it still is a little tailwind putt. So he's starting it higher in the chains than he wants it to finish. And the wind is just dropping it right down to the spot that he wants. But like I said, 20-foot putt for these guys is, especially with the tailwind, is very, very routine. Uh, Headwind is a little bit harder. Uh, 22 24 you're gonna see here uh, just so you know what it looks like this is when uh, the the bat the baskets uh or your your disc is so close to the basket that you can just set it in i think it's calvin who does it he just sets his disc in the hole oh no it, oh, it's this they guy. all do it yeah yeah hey he does that in one motion throwing it in and bending down to pick it up it's just so sloppy i don't like it like do it as two separate motions one of these days, it's going to bounce out when they do that, and they're going to regret it. That's had to have happened before. Yeah. Uh, 2409, going for the bunker. Okay, so this hole, is, is this, so this is a golf course that they just kind of take over? This is a real golf course? Yep. And and they don't mind the guy, and, but they don't play the actual <laughs> golf course. They, 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 they rework it? Yeah. Okay, so these guys specifically are going for uh, the bunker. That's the strategy for this hole. Uh, yes and no. This is a very unique hole. It's not very long relative to what they can throw as a max distance, so the flag is reachable. The problem is there's out-of-bounds or hazards everywhere. The entire golf green is considered out-of-bounds. So if your disc lands stops on the golf green, you have to throw from – somewhere else with a penalty shot. If it goes in one of the bunkers that are surrounding the hole, if we play with just any one of the drives, people will be able to see what I'm talking about. But the bunkers are considered a hazard. If you throw it in the bunker, you can putt from where your disc is, but you're putting your third shot, even though it's only your second throw. So if you land in the bunker and make the putt, you still get a three, which is a birdie. Some oh, of these really? If you go in a bunker, it counts as an extra shot? It, yeah, hazard. You play it as it lies. If you go out of bounds, then you have to play from a designated area. There's also out of bounds deep on this screen. I didn't length. know that. I thought just the bunker just meant you were in a tough situation. You also get a penalty stroke? Yeah. In this case, they were playing the bunkers as a hazard. So you play it from the bunker, but you get an extra stroke. Oh, well, the commentators were saying these guys were going for the bunker as a strategy. Right, because it's better to be in the bunker than out of bounds long or on the golf green short. Wow, But the optimal situation is that you land in between the bunkers close to the basket and you can make a putt for eagle. Okay, 2409. Check it out. Straight to the bunker. Hole seven. So he's, I mean, <clears throat> it's actually probably good that it stopped in the bunker there because if, it, if he had landed three feet late longer, it would have skipped out of the, uh, skipped on the turf and gone probably out of bounds. So, and maybe he's throwing it at that angle, hoping that wherever it hits, it just sticks, stops and sticks there. He doesn't want a lot of ground play. Uh, Calvin ends up getting a uh, six on a par four. And the commentators start speculating at this point, our boy Calvin is out of the tournament, that basically he can no longer win it. 
Yeah, and it's um, you know, Calvin, I think last year he had something like 18 or 19 top 10 finishes, but he only had one win. So he's always in the mix, but he struggles to get the big wins. I mean, he gets them once in a while, but for as often as he's in contention, something like this frequently happens to him where he just has one hole that blows it up and he loses by, you know, two to three strokes because of it. So they gave him a double bogey. He ended up with a double bogey here. I think he had, you know, two penalty shots. So he actually only took four strokes but his score showed six and it was a double bogey. Okay. Uh, and then we go to uh Holt, uh, we go to 2740 hole eight and Calvin redeems himself a bit with a birdie. Yeah. And the, this is what I was saying. The best guys in the world and the people that often win the tournaments are really, really good at bouncing back from an unfortunate hole or situation. And it's not uncommon for the best players to have a, you know, a, a bogey, double bogey, triple bogey, and then reel off like five birdies in a row after that. Are all the um, discs the same size? Do they have to be the same size, the same diameter? There are some specifications, but no, there's a little bit of a range. Okay, uh, 2740. Calvin, uh, making up for his last double bogey with the birdie here on hole eight. Well, we missed the putt there. It was about five seconds before that. Oh, that's weird. It's really weird. Boom. So again, he's probably putting with the tailwind and he's getting it up high and letting it drop into the basket. And these guys, when they're approaching the green, are conscious of what the where the wind is and they want to be putting with the tailwind, not into the headwind more often than not. Uh, hole nine, uh, par four, 641 feet. Uh, we're going to look at Kevin Jones, who is the current leader. And uh, he uh, he hits a tree. What, what what do you call that with the the first throw? Is that is that your drive? drive? Yeah, your drive. Okay. <clears throat> Everything's just like golf. There's a tee pad. You throw the drive from the tee pad, and then you get you got to play up to the green and put it in the hole. Uh, twenty eight fifty eight, and uh, this isn't a good sign, right? You don't want to hit. You don't want to hit trees. Yeah, and especially now when we're considering the fact that on the triple mando hole, he'd already pulled one to the right. So a lot of times, you know, just like anything that's hand-eye coordination or very, very demanding of timing, when you're when you start to have a um, when you have one miss and then you have the same miss and you have like two or three of the same misses in a row, that's where you can kind of see something's off with his game today. He's not feeling it off the tee. Holy shit! There's a lot of clips left. Okay, action! <laughs> right off the tree. This is no bueno. Bam. You don't even get to see it. it oh, so this was it. an opposite mistake. This is just an early release. Yeah, that was a really bad shot. Uh, and then uh, and then Kevin Jones, uh, once again, at 30-56. Uh, um, and uh, he, like I said, he's the leader and in going into hole nine, and he throws it out of bounds, and then uh, which causes him to pick up an extra stroke, and then he has to throw this in, and he get, ends up getting a bogey. Not good. Not not good for Kevin Jones, <clears throat> but still winning. So what happened here is, first of all, I, like I mentioned earlier, he's inside. Oh, so that's the shot. I'm sorry. Sorry, real quick. He was going for a birdie. He hit the top of the basket. It went out of bounds. And instead of it being a birdie, he he picks up a penalty stroke. Sorry. Go ahead, Brian. Yeah, and the same thing happened to Paul McBeth on this hole earlier on a previous card that I didn't have you watch. But he's because he's inside the red feather there, he's not allowed to do his jump putt. So he has to do that standstill putt. And he's not as good from 32 feet as he is from 34. In this case, he misses by a couple inches. It hits off the band, and it bounces into a bunker. 
The bunker is a hazard, so he has to add another stroke and take a putt from there, which he makes, and that's how he gets the boat. All right, uh, and then and then we go to the final video. Oh, so we're so we're doing good. Actually, it's not as bad as I thought. Oh, we're cruising. Final nine people, and here's where we have. A, I think we're going here. Uh, I think Kevin Jones is leading by a stroke as we go into. Oh no, maybe two strokes as we go into the final nine, um, and we're uh, we go to, to hole ten. And this is the shot that we talked about in the beginning of the show where one of the volunteers at 145 gets drilled by one of these discs. These discs are really hard plastic if you've never felt one. They're not your typical. I mean, a typical Frisbee hurts, but this shit is going to fucking really hurt. Uh, Dustin Simpson, help with your first month of YouTube premium. What a generous man. Tell your girl I said hi. All right, here we go. So this is Anthony Brella, and he's in contention at this point in the tournament. How does he look at his body? How does anyone get their body like that? That that's why they have uh, elbow injuries occasionally. Okay. There's a, the velocity that they're throwing these things at. These guys are throwing it at seventy plus miles an hour arm speed or disc speed. Now and watch those, this. This thing. Look at. Oh my goodness. <laughs> hey, the cameraman almost gets hit. Hey, so you're saying that you're saying it hits that guy and he gets out of bounds. He gets a hazard stroke for that. Yeah, You can kind of see it here. So it comes in and it's going to go well past this bunker and be in an incredible position. Honestly, one of the best positions anyone's ever been in on this hole. This guy is an absolute animal, but it skips and hits that guy in the ankle and falls into the, into the bunker. The guy is absolutely devastated. I mean, that guy's hands are in his head. He looks like he's going to cry. Like he cannot believe that he did this. And, um, and it's really unfortunate. Does he, is, is that, is that worse than, um, uh, 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 Becky, uh, harsh, uh, allowing, um, Vellner to bend his knees? Like, where does that rank? And, and for us CrossFitters, how, how bad is that right there? I mean, this is pretty bad. Now there's always a catch cam, which is what that's called. That's getting that shot from over there. But I, throughout this, this round, there were several players that threw it in that bunker. Paul McBeth went in that bunker. A couple others skipped out over that bunker. So I think it was just a poor place to stand. They should have been standing on the far side of the bunker. They still could have got the same footage from there. I'm not going to compare it to the other situation. It's the same. Okay, so that volunteer is there to protect the cameraman. Is that what? Why is there a volunteer there? Even they are. I, 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 he, he was doing something with a range finder. He might have actually been measuring the. I don't know what exactly he was measuring, but there's you know they're allowed to be there, and I just think they chose the. They made a bad choice of where to stand. Well, we know that for sure. So that guy's it. Was he injured? I don't know. But he's, I, I want, he sure I felt he bad gets, about it. I wonder if he gets fired. How do you know? You saw in the footage? Yeah, they in the live footage, they show him, and he's sitting there in the bunker, and he's just, like, like devastated. Like, he, And he looks down at the desk right next to him, and he's just like, I mean, I would, like, it's awful. He's, the guy's tied for third place right now. There's, you know, it's the back nine of the tournament. It's Sunday. Like, that's that cost Anthony one or two shots on this hole. A-B, A-B, tough break. Uh, how often does that happen? The dudes get hit on the course. That's pretty rare. It has, it has ha like last year there was a tournament where some fan left their umbrella by a tree and it just came in and hit the umbrella and bounced out of bounds like that. And it really should like that really should not happen, but occasionally it doesn't. It's okay. Ladies and gentlemen, CrossFit's not looking so bad now, huh? The old um, bounce the hit the umbrella and bounced out of bounds. 340 hold 10. Uh, the game still continues. Does Brian Friend fully understand the jargon 
of Frisbee golf. We are about to see. Well, maybe we should go to 335. Oh, yeah, 339. That's good. Uh, can we play this with audio? And let's test Brian out here. Listen carefully for the words. Action. Look, we, I mean, we know we're experts on what it we means. Get it. All, yeah, all no, three we, of us are. Know. That goes sliding. That. Wow. That's a chicken chunk. <laughs> uh, do you need us to replay that? Do you need more context? Uh, the word in question, Brian, is chicken chunk. He said, that is a chicken chunk. Uh, please uh, tell us uh, with your great wisdom, what is a chicken chunk? I, I have never heard that before. That's Shut the fuck up. Are you kidding me? You don't know that one? I've I've been I've watched every tournament for the last three years. A lot of them by these guys. I never have heard the term chicken chunk. Okay, okay, okay. Rewind it ten seconds. They say it three times. Uh, listen. Ah, oh, yes, the chicken chunk. The chicken chunk. Okay, go go back in like ten. Keep seconds. in mind, those three guys have been playing disc golf for like fifty years combined. I've go back another ten seconds. Let, let, let's 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 get let's do this. Maybe someone's. We might have to look this up. I thought it was the chicken choke. Yeah, that's a different game. But I appreciate you <clears throat> participating, Heidi. Okay, here One we might say that he chicken chunked it. Calvin not chicken chunking. That's a park job. Oh, they have. Okay, pause. Okay, okay, okay. So there's three chicken chunks we just got. That's a chicken chunk. No, it's not a chicken chunk. It's a park job. It's not a chicken chunk. Okay, now let's keep going. Look, we. I mean, we know we're experts on what it we means. Get it. All, yeah, all no, three we, of us are. That goes sliding. That. Wow, that's a chicken chunk. All right. That's funny. I, I when I heard it in my notes, I called it a chicken chunker. Okay, so so we we uh, there's that's two. We don't this the old squeak and the uh, chicken chunk. We'll need to look those up later. Uh, Anthony Barella is AB. It's finally at an hour and a half of watching this. I finally realized his nickname is AB. A uh, six forty, an obstructed look at hole eleven for Anthony Barella. fucking hate an obstructed look look at this guy stuck behind a tree he looks like he he looks like he's in a gunfight kind of right that posture this hole was ba- like honestly was baffling to me in in the final round it should be a pretty routine hole for them and a lot of the t- guys that were in contention messed this hole up look at that tree looks like it was struck like lightning <clears throat> actually cool looks first a b Boom. Oh, he's bombed. He is bombed. Okay. So I think, misses. yeah, I mean, he's, he's at this point, remember he's coming off that previous hole where he had something that was out of his control happen. He did manage to save a par on that hole, I think, but he should have got a birdie. He threw a bad shot off the tee and he's going to take a bogey here. And I mean, sometimes this happens where he, like he threw the putt and he thought he knew what it was going to do. And as soon as it comes out of his hand, the wind just drops the putt right away and it never had a chance. So he was pretty devastated by that. Uh, Calvin Heimberg uh, here uh, is about to show his autistic tendencies uh, shot at 721. I want you to notice how many discs this dude is carrying around. You cannot tell me this is necessary. Uh, uh, watch. He's going to come into the frame here in a second. Look at these guys. These guys are just throwing in their gimme shots. He's going to come in from the right. Look at this. What? First starter, zip your fucking bag up. It's giving me anxiety. Like some shit's going to fall out. Look at that rack of discs. That's insane. Why, why in two pouches? The top ones are the ones he's using and the other ones just help him with his OCD. It's like a Linus's blanket. 
everyone organizes their bag differently. I don't actually know if there are any rules about the number of discs you're allowed to have on the course, but I'd say most of them have between 18 and 28 discs in their bag. And um, the top ones are generally the slower ones and the putters. Uh, he actually has a few more compartments on that bag that he stores discs in than most. And, and look at he's got he got water with him. He needs that. He need a uh, dude just uh, getting a ruck in. Yeah, no shit. Hey, he needs to get a, a caddy. Some of the players use caddies, and some of them have uh, bag not the bags that roll on like carts that roll instead of bags that you carry. Uh, he has an insecurity about the size of his discs. Exactly. <clears throat> God, it's crazy. Uh, okay, so we saw Calvin's bag. Uh, hole 12, uh, the tournament starts for these guys. So the commentators are saying hole 12 is where it really n- now now it's on. It's showtime. These, I think basically by the time you get to hole 12 also, there's a chance that you could play so poorly, at, you know, on these fi- on these and, and be in the with the final group of badasses, but that you actually finish tenth or eleventh or twelfth, right? I mean, yeah, Anthony Barella ended up finishing tied for eighth in this tournament. Eagle McMahon finished thirteenth. So two of the four guys that are on this card didn't really shit. have a great last day. The other two guys ended up finishing first and second. Okay, so hole twelve. They're saying the tournament finally starts here. Um, nine, uh, uh, 48. Oh, here's another bag. Here's another bag observation. I must've been obsessing on the bag. Speaking of autistic nine forty eight. what's on that guy's bag. Oh yeah. Look at this. What is, what is this? Is this a toy? I think my kid has this. I think you hold this wooden thing and you go like this and, and then you catch the ball in different angles. Is that what that is? Yeah. He's just, and? because sometimes on the course there are backups. So you uh-huh. might get to a tee box and there you have to wait for like 20 or 30 minutes before you can tee off. So he brings something that uh, occupies his mind and keeps him, you know, loose and relaxed while he has to wait there instead of being stressed. Is that really what it's for? You've heard about that? He's talked about that? I've seen him doing it. Wow. Crazy. He's pretty good with it. It's not surprising. I, hope, I mean, he obviously has amazing hand-eye coordination. So I hope so. Okay. So uh, you can bring your favorite. My kids would love this game. They like taking their favorite toy with them everywhere they go. Can I bring a toy with me? Sure. Go ahead. A hole 14, 777 feet. They call it the luckiest hole in golf. Time hey, so do they set up these exact same courses every year? Uh, yes and no. Most of the time... Most of the stops on the Disc Golf Pro Tour are the same every year. Occasionally, there are some new ones. And more often than not, there are minor tweaks to every course each year. So they might make a few changes, like two to three changes on the course, but a majority of it stays the same. All right. Uh, so when they say luckiest hole in golf, is is that because they set this hole up every year? <clears throat> I th- Yeah, I think that this course has had very few changes since it was created in 2016. Uh, 1818, um, Calvin, uh, shit in the bed again, missing a much needed birdie on hole 14, uh, which puts him two back behind the leader. You're going to see this at 18. Oh, here we go. I'm sorry. 1815. Good job. Sousa starting three seconds early. Calvin Heimberg. Oh, what's that called when you hit the top of the basket? 
it's the it's called the band so he hit the band but again you saw the wind was it was a tailwind so he was expecting it to drop it didn't drop as much as he thought that could have been a lot worse it could have hit the band and went out of bounds or rolled out of bounds but it stayed reasonably close where he was able to clean up the par putt uh hole 15 1940 calvin trying to redeem himself this with a great opening drive from the t did i say all that right yeah and the shots that he throws on hole 15 and hole 16 are two of the best shots of the entire tournament okay here we go uh 1940 uh, Souza starting three seconds early no, he needs to go back a little bit. I think oh, maybe even f- five seconds. Oh, no. Oh, maybe he – is he going to about to throw? He just threw. Oh, but okay. uh, actually, there was another guy that threw a better shot on this hole. Oh, it was Paul McBeth. The shot that Calvin threw on hole 16 is insanely good. This is a really far par three, 439 feet, and it demands a very specific shot. You basically have to get the disc moving right and then have to get it moving back to the left because of the way that the trees are aligned. So he throws it on a little bit of a hyzer angle. It flips over to that right drift, and then it flips back at the perfect time. The thing, he, he came into this basket at the height of the basket. Almost everyone in the tournament, if they're getting close, is coming in and skipping up to the basket. So he's he was ace running it is what they they called it. You can and see he, the disc by the way just to the left of the screen still rolling. There it is. Yeah. So it the wasn't arrow. the closest disc to the to the basket. There were guys who threw it closer to the basket, but no one else was throwing it in there. Where it, if it was just a few feet to the left, it would have hit the chains. Uh, they said this was a. Uh, I think they were alluding to the fact that this was a a, a a a bit of a risk for Calvin, but he knew that they were getting down to the final holes, and he started to have to take some risks. And if you go to twenty one thirty, you'll see uh, he capitalizes on that risk. Yeah, right and again, here. this is like you know a thirty three four foot putt. He's just outside the circle, but unlike Kevin Jones, he's not going to do a jump or a step putt. He sticks with his like the same routine, even as he extends further and further away from the basket. Go ahead, Susan, anytime. Bam. Hole so, 15, par three, he gets the birdie. So he put that in in two. Yeah, and again, he's putting with the tailwind, so the the disc is dropping right into the cha- bottom of the chains where he wants it. Uh, we go to hole 16. Uh, Calvin gets another birdie. Let's check out 2702. And uh, this is an important hole for uh, Kevin Jones also. Like I said, uh, they, they are very close to one another. Kevin has, a, a I think, a one-stroke lead. Yeah, and we're just going to see the putt here. But the shot that he threw to get to this position is a shot that 95% of the players wouldn't have risked throwing. It was a, it's, a very, it's a pretty long, almost 900-foot par four with a specific landing zone that you want to be in and then a green that you have to clear to get over to get close to the basket. So Kevin Jones and most of the other players laid up short of that green, pitched up an easy shot to the basket and tapped in for a par. Like you said, Calvin needed to make a move, so he went for it here and threw what was basically considered the shot of the tournament when everything was done. God, you're making me feel bad that I didn't pick out the drive for hole 16. It wasn't the drive. It was the second shot. And it's unusual that like in most of these situations, it's the drive, but... This was the approach to the green that was really impressive. Calvin for the birdie. Let's see now if Kevin can get the par. He has to get this shot at 27-27. 
to uh, <clears throat> maintain the lead. And like is, I said, he's tied. He's close. played. Yeah. So he's played this conservatively. Um, oh, they're tied. Calvin at 31, Jones at 31. Yep. So they'll be tied going into hole 17. And uh, they're tied at 31 under par. And there's one guy, Ezra Aderhold, who's in the clubhouse at 29 under par. And it's pretty unlikely that they're both going to fall back that far. So it's basically down to these two guys with two holes to go. Uh, hole 17, uh, they're both at uh, 31, uh, 29.59. Uh, Calvin goes for the lead, 29.59. Yeah, and it's, I mean, when you get down to the last hole, and, and it's basically a match play now. Like, they're only playing against uh, each other for the win. So you're going to look at what the other guy's doing, and you're going to make a decision um, a little bit based on that. Sorry, Susan's having to watch a Pizza Hut commercial. <laughs> uh, we will get that fixed for first or for future shows. I promise you this show is big time, but um, but we're still on a budget. Uh, okay, uh, hole 17, uh, Calvin goes for a one-point lead at 29-59. And you're so good, Brian. I like it how you just you, – you're good. You're good. Better than I thought. You are definitely better than I thought. I mean, good. You're a keeper. Okay. He does this thing here where he blocks the basket with his eyes before he puts, and I have a theory about why he does that. I'm not Can you sure. rewind it? I want to see that again. What do you mean he blocks his eyes? He'll hold up the disc, and I think that the reason he does this is because he's left eye dominant. So most people, if you're shooting a gun or a bow and arrow or whatever, and you're right-handed, you're right eye dominant. But I'm not. I'm left eye dominant. So if I close my right eye, I never hit anything because it's off by a whatever degree. If I shoot aim with my left eye, I'm much better. I think he does this because he's the same way. So he's focusing in with his dominant eye, and he's blocking his right eye out. That's what I think. I've never asked him. I'd love to ask him. Wow. All right, let's see. Action. How many feet is this? Uh, probably like 45 feet. That was a pretty mild attempt. I don't think he was really trying to make that. There's out of bounds behind the basket, and based on where Kevin was on this hole, I think he was that Calvin was happy to go to hole 18 with a tie. Okay, so he needed to make that 30-38. Uh, uh, Kevin Jones has to make this shot to keep the tie. Will he make the clutch shot? Yeah, so he's putting, you know, so uh, it's a very long par three, 516 feet. So he's putting the pressure on Kevin here, who had um, a worse hole up to this point, that he needs to make this to match. Oh, my God, we're action. We're going to make it to hole 18. Boom. Solid shot. Yeah, and that's a pretty good putt. And, I mean, just to put in context, Kevin Jones, the last time Kevin Jones won a, uh, event of this caliber was in 2020 in the fall. It's been almost a thousand days. I think they said 913 days since the last time he won an event of this size. He's had some, man, last year specifically, he had a, just an incredibly heartbreaking one hole that cost him an event win. So he's feeling the pressure for sure here, but he's still composed enough to make a putt that he should always make. And, and, uh, and Calvin's never won. You're saying, no, he's he been has top ten. Oh, okay. Yeah, Calvin won one tournament, one one pro tour tournament last year. I think he won two the year before that. Okay. 
Uh, okay, here we go. Uh, hole 18. It's tied between Calvin and Kevin. Already here, we didn't do a very good job of depicting it, but Calvin's comeback up to this point has been pretty remarkable. He got that double bogey back on hole 9, I think, or hole 10. Um, well, in, the holes, in the holes leading up to 18, in the six holes before it, and remember you said on hole 12, that's when the, kind of the thing started, Kevin Jones right. had made six pars, and Calvin Einberg had made three pars and three birdies. So he's closed a three-hole deficit over that six-hole stretch to come into hole 18. Hole 18 is, a, this is a very famous hole on this course. It's a massive risk-reward hole. You can try to lay up short, and then you have a very difficult shot into the green, or you can try to be aggressive to a narrow landing zone that makes the approach shot a lot easier. Calvin has the box, meaning he's going to throw first, and so we'll get to see what he does. Okay, uh, hole 18, it's tied between Calvin and uh, Kevin, and here we see Calvin's drive. And uh, it's. do you think it's inbounds or out of bounds? They, he keeps it uh, at 32 minutes. <clears throat> He keeps the the excitement going for the fans. That's for sure. Here we go. So it's in the air here. It's heisering back in, and it. Oh my god! It from the reverse angle, everyone thought it was out of bounds because you can't see it from where that guy in the fairway is standing. But that is inbounds by and uh, and so he's safe by like out. two feet, right? If it, if it would landed on that on that uh, cement path right there, that's out of bounds. I th- yep, I think so. Okay, can you rewind that again so we can see the full throw? Sorry, Suze, I really screwed you on the time codes. Here we go. I wonder if this one will show it from behind or from it from the front angle. But, um, yeah, you can see here that there's, like, water on both sides, and there's that landing strip in the middle, which is where he's aiming for. So he's going for an aggressive shot. And he said that he kind of missed through this shot and got lucky. Um, but it's inbounds, and now Kevin has to go, and he has to decide what he wants to do knowing that Calvin's in a good position to possibly make a birdie, at worst to make a par. Okay, 32-25. Let's see how Kevin does. He needs a great throw. Uh, you might as well go to 32-20. Fuck it. There you go. Missed it. Oh, shit. I'm really screwing this up. Close your eyes for a second. Uh, 32-15. Try 32-15. Yeah, they're 13 either way. It's good. There's Calvin. Pretty excited uh, that it didn't go out of bounds. And here's Kevin Jones. He needs a great shot. And in Kevin's post-game interview, so you saw right there, the, the disc just fell out of the sky. Like it drops like 20 feet just out of nowhere. And it Kevin looks like Jones, it goes in the water. It does. Oh, it does. It's too bad they didn't show that. That's the first bad camera work I've seen from these guys. Go on. And um, well, it's a tough it's it's a tough angle to get that because all that tall grass is in the way, and it's not really a practical place to stand otherwise. But he said in his post tournament interview, the only thing you have to do with your drive on eighteen is get it in the air. And he's like, I just threw it too low. Uh, and they well okay so they were they, the commentators were trying to blame the wind they were trying to say it wasn't his fault that there was a downwind there. I, I mean I, it, I, the way that it dropped out. I of the call sky, bullshit. It's, it's his fault. Dramatic, but Kevin, I would say you know I, I like Kevin's perspective better. He said he was trying to throw it high in the air and he didn't. Uh, Thirty-three fifty. Uh, uh, Calvin has a clean shot at the hole and he has an opportunity to take over. Let's go to thirty-three forty-five. Sorry, thirty-three forty-five. We'll do the five-second rule. 
So Calvin's playing from his drive here. He's going to choose to throw a forehand. And like I said, the best players in the world can throw both. He just thinks he has more, more control or less risk of going out of bounds by throwing the forehand. God, he's skinny. Good job, Brian. 33-39. We went with a, a healthy 11 seconds. Sorry, Souza. 11 seconds pre-roll. Now, the green is out of bounds there, the, the that, golf green. So he's throwing it to make sure that it finishes to the right and in a place that's not out of bounds. You don't think that was lucky, that roll? That was a chicken chunk right there. Yeah. That's, that's what that was. Yeah. you don't, that's, that, that's always risky to th throw one that rolls like that, right? Uh, no, he, I think that that disc did exactly what he wanted it to do. He wanted it to come right. in on a little angle and skip into this thick grass hillside. Did it skip or did it roll? It was rolling, wasn't it? I did a little skip and roll, but they, that grass is thick. It's, it's <clears> really, and even if it rolls, he's so far away from any out of bounds that nothing bad's really going to happen here. This is a very safe shot, but he's basically telling Kevin, I'm playing this hole for par now. So I'm going to take a four on it. And if you want to beat me, you're going to have to throw it in the basket. Damn. Okay. Uh, well, then let's see what Kevin does. Not even beat uh, me. If you want to match me, you're going to have to throw it in the basket. So, Kevin, uh, so as Brian set up here, let's go to 3430. Uh, Kevin goes for a long shot to the basket. It's 170 feet. And I didn't realize when I watched this, but, but Brian states he has to go for it. Uh, this is the eagle, right? It's okay. We can watch this guy too if we want. This isn't the guy. This is the eagle McMahon also going for a long shot. Looks like he's going to go for it. Nah, nope. No, he's out of the tournament at this point. He's just trying to throw it close to the basket and get off the course. He's not happy with how his day has gone. You can just let okay. it play from here. You don't even have to move forward. Just occasional pauses. Okay, so, here so we now, go. Kevin Jones. So in order to force a playoff, he has to make this shot. So usually he wouldn't be this aggressive, but he's going for it. Hundred and seventy feet. Yeah, just a little putter and a hyzer flip. Perfect line, one foot too high. Hey, did you can you can we see that again? Did you see that catch the wind and give that kind of that double pump? Did you see the frisbee go up at the man? The, the, that's pretty impressive. I mean, this is he is like the line could not be more perfect. This is a very impressive throw, especially given the circumstances. This happens quite a bit where someone has to do something miraculous to extend the tournament. Um, last two years ago, it happened in the world championships. It's called the Holy shot. It was probably the best shot in the history of disc golf, given the circumstances. And he even said he was trying to channel a little bit of that shot when he was doing this and he's pretty close. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. Watch uh, this. You can you watch the, just take a, a dip and then a pump here at the last minute. Oh, nope. <laughs> yeah, that's and I, tough. And it was, and I, and honestly, it's a tough, it's a tough tournament because both Kevin uh, and Calvin, I mean, it's hard to win, but I would have been happy for either one of them to win here. I think I probably would have preferred if Kevin had gotten the win just because it's been so long and he's been close a bunch of times and Calvin does get about one a year. Um, but down the stretch, Calvin was definitely better. And, you know, even though we talked about it earlier in the show, he took that, that double bogey in the middle of the round and he didn't give up. He just kept playing. He had a good bounce back from there and, he made the shots that mattered the most when they mattered most. Kevin Jones finished with six pars and a double boat. Uh, 36.03, the most anticlimactic final shot in the history of golf. And I've, this is the only golf tournament I've ever watched. No, there are a lot golf like tournament. Uh, 36.03. But I'm glad I got to see this because I always wondered what they did. Um, 
if it came down to the to yeah, the just end play it from things. here. Just play it from here. So mo- most of the time, all of the other players will tap out, and they'll let, they'll let the guy that's win tap it in at the end. And can you rewind that again and, and then play it with audio, just like five seconds? Watch uh, watch Calvin. Uh, this is he does the the old Michael Jordan. Uh, are just you you said it, Jeremy. Five people got it in the whole tournament on this day, and just so happened Calvin was one of them, and thirteen on the previous. Sets it in there. Boom. And we got a winner. And Calvin is, honestly, he's um, he's actually a big trash talker on in some instances. But for the most part, he's a very quiet person. He's not going to be. I, I was, I've become more and more impressed with these guys. And this happens in CrossFit, too, that as they get in front of the camera more and more, they have more presence they are able to be a little bit more articulate with what they want to say who they want to thank what they want to acknowledge i thought calvin did a pretty good job in his post tournament interview uh can you play the uh clip um where he's talking on the far left there let's let's let, so people can hear a little word here we go finally made it back to florida and had the chance to reflect on this past weekend I'm really proud of the way I fought back after a pretty lackluster round one. Um, Throwing the disc really well, and I've also been putting the disc pretty well. I'm putting them in from circle two and really executing shots in high-pressure situations. So I'm super excited to see what the rest of the season has in store. Thank you guys, as always, for all the support out there on, on tour. Uh, without you guys, none of this is possible. How much uh, money did wait. he win, Brian? $7,500. Not bad. Uh, uh, so his mom did take him out to Dairy Queen after the win. Um, uh, does this does golf have a good media team? That That's a pretty fucking nice production they put together. I'll tell you that. It's a pretty nice production. I like, I like that first comment there in Calvin. This, uh, the, the, uh, your enthusiasm is unmatched. <laughs> As he's just like monotone, like talking into. <laughs> is that is he is that just like a dickhead comment? Is he just kind of hard to say? But he doesn't. I mean, he's not usually that enthusiastic. But like I said, these guys are becoming more well known. They're having a lot more earning potentials. The sponsors are paying more. The prize purses are going up, even though they're still relatively small. And um, you know, the the players are evolving as the sport evolves. Yeah, I like it. Uh, I didn't see a I didn't see a wide variety of of, of uh, ethnicities and uh, nationalities and skin uh, tones, pantones of skin color represented in the sport. Um, it's it's a little uh, are, unsettling. I would say there are very well. First of all, most of the Euro- European players did not play in this tournament. Oh. They'll play in some tournaments throughout the year, but they're also not of the skin tone that you're alluding to. There is a guy named Philo Brathwaite who does a commentary on. Um, disc golf network sometimes, and he's a black guy from California area. Oh, well, that's, that's nice been to pretty see. good. But how about not, the girls? Anyone playing bikinis? They got any like Danielle Brandon's? Um, there are some some of the women that are attractive, yeah, but they don't play. I don't mean, bikinis. attractive. I mean, I mean, cantankerous. I mean, cantankerous. Uh, not really like that. I don't think it's not all about looks, Brian. So it's about attitude. The women are lacking in the attitude department, I would say, but there are some talented women for sure. And the okay. level is rising there too. 
there's one woman who just dominates the sport, right? Yeah, last year there was. She didn't play in this tournament. Her name's Kristen Tatar, and she's from Estonia. I mistakenly said she was Finland on the last show. We talked about that. Um, and she is... I mean, someone's going to have to rise up to challenge her. The woman who won this tournament is named Katrina Allen. She's probably one of the two or three best in the world as well. And she won by a healthy margin, a few, like maybe four or five strokes. Um, so maybe she'll be the girl that puts some heat on Kristen this year. But yeah, Kristen is clearly the the best in the world right now. What do you think the odds are of us moving tomorrow night show up an hour? You guys could do it. I won't be able to make it on time. Aren't you? Isn't the show with you tomorrow? Yeah, but I I coach and then I come here to do the show after I coach. Oh, what time? We normally start at six p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Yeah, I finish coaching at five thirty p.m. Pacific Standard Time, but I like to leave just a half an hour buffer in case I have to stay at the gym later. Yeah, that doesn't give you much time at all. Right. So you, ba- you basically just walk in the door and get at it. Yes. Holy shit! Look, we got a thumbs up from Facebook. I didn't know anyone watched our shit on Facebook. Me neither. I didn't even know that was a thing. Michelle Sharp Shanks. We, 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 uh, that is. Yeah. We, yeah. It's a trip. Uh, make it work, Sevon. I know. I got a friend coming into town tomorrow. I got a friend. I got a friend coming into town tomorrow. Mm. A friend. A friend. Uh, Sevon just taught me a new word cantankerous, bad tem- tempered, argumentative, and uncooperative. Just hashtag hashtag Danielle Brandon. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Makes a makes a, a disc in, just flips off the crowd. No, I don't give a fuck <laughs> about the looks, man. I, I drive a beat up pickup truck as long as it got a nice exhaust pipe. <laughs> just care about the attitude. Big fat tires. I like tires that stick out past the wheel wells. Loud <laughs> muffler. Carcelo, you can't get into most places. Uh, that is our first show uh, covering uh, go- Frisbee Frisbee Golf together, Brian Friend and I. I think we did. I uh, mean, give us an A plus for our first show. Uh, tomorrow night we will be uh, covering the pickleball championships. And then- <laughs> uh, um, what is the What is the next tournament, uh, Brian? Where do they go next? What city? Waco, Texas. March 10th through 12th. So that was a four-round tournament. There are not that many four-round tournaments. Most of them are what do you mean? Rounds. What do you mean four round? What do you mean four four there round? Four, they played one round on four consecutive days. Oh, no shit. So those dudes played 18 holes four days in a row? Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. The next okay. tournament, they'll that's only a play a three-day tournament. Endurance. Okay. Um, <laughs> endurance. <laughs> Mar- I think it's stamina at that point, right? March 10th to the what? 10th to 12th. Okay. Oh, that's, that's coming up. Oh, oh, my goodness. You guys, this weekend, the John Jones fight. Oh, my goodness. Did you watch the Jake Paul fight, Brian? No. Oh, I watched it. I, was, I, I thought it was pretty good. I actually enjoyed it. I, I, felt, I felt like I didn't want anyone to know that I paid for that fight. <laughs> when I bought it, I'm like, oh, God, I hope no one. They no just one pretend my, you illegally did it. I hope no one sees my cable bill. <laughs> uh <laughs> Oh boy, yeah, it won't but be it, long till I'm there with my phone, huh? But it's but it seems good. Unsporty Beth in the house. Good to see you. Um, any closing words, Brian? 
It would be hilar- hilarious to have Sousa on the disc golf court trying to get back to vaccines. Oh. <laughs> I would be like that guy getting hit with the disc golf, not knowing where the hell I am. <laughs> we uh, we will. I think we do have an MMA show for uh, Friday Friday morning. Friday. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I did see a lot of people wanting to know the discs that I use. Um, maybe I'll do that at some point. Maybe I'll do it on Instagram. Uh, Brian, they were joking. That was sarcasm. No. There's a lot of people asking. <laughs> in there. No. I mean, I gotta, <laughs> there were quite a lot of those comments. Uh, let me. Um, I'll do that on Instagram. I won't bother you. Let me. Uh, I want to make sure. Are, are, do we have everything scheduled? Uh, so tomorrow, tomorrow morning, we have Brett Pike. Uh, that's going to be a fantastic show. Um, that's going to be a great show. And then uh, we have live call-in show on. No, wait. What about tomorrow night? Oh yeah, where's tomorrow night's show? Oh, I went to the wrong month. <laughs> where, where am I? Oh, okay, so so Brett so Brett Pike at seven a.m. tomorrow, and then tomorrow night uh, trolling the leaderboard, um, and then uh, Wednesday morning uh, Michael Ka- Kaju. Yep. Oh, he, oh really? He, yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you know who that is, Brian? He used to do the Brute Strength podcast. He used to yeah. be on a team that would compete at the games and do quite well. Also with Adrian Conway, but now I don't know what he's doing. Um, uh, Molly donations for Sevon's hood disc golf team. Thank you. Uh, Molly, I appreciate Maybe it. Was Adrian Cowan. He was on, he was on Tommy Hackenbrook's team. Wasn't he? Did he, he might've won the games twice. I don't, but I talked to him on the phone uh, a few months ago and he, uh, I'd never talked to him before and fuck. He's a pleasant man. I really enjoyed it. And then on Thursday, um, we have, uh, uh, Oh, we have Jason. We have two shows on Thursday too. We have Jason Kleepa in the morning at 7 a.m. And then, um, we have uh, Andrew Hiller, uh, Taylor Self, and J.R. Howell, and I think Bill Grundler and Chase Ingram, and maybe Brian will even join us. It'll be a big, big party to watch Andrew Hiller do twenty three point three. It's gonna be a big I, show. I had fun on that show last week. Maybe I'll do it. All right. Oh, actually, I won't do it because I'll be in Omaha for the live mm-hmm. announcement. You will. The announcements in Omaha. Mm-hmm. You're yeah. going to the live announcement. Yes. What are you doing there? I'm getting footage for Sevon podcast. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I like to hear. We'll, we'll have someone on the ground there. Maybe we'll start early. Are you going to try to get me kicked out of this too? Cross. I hope so. I was invited nah. to it, so we, you know, most who like invited you? Who well, invited? Pat Patrick arranged it. What Patrick Clark, dude. Hmm? That gym oh, well, looks that's good. sick. And then Friday, uh, because of uh, Pat uh, Patrick Clark's request, we will be doing a uh, 7 a.m. Uh, UFC show. With uh, Darian Weeks. I hope Darian shows up. Does he know? He's good for it. Uh, that's a great question. I was just thinking of that when I saw it pop up as Darian Weeks because I didn't schedule it with him on there, but I'm sure he's going to be down. We'll check in with him right after the show. Darian, Friday? We'll check in with him right now. 7 a.m. All right. Uh, you guys are the best. I got to prepare for Brett Pike. Uh, how do you get invited if you associate with Sevon? Uh, we'll save that question for Tuesday. Great question. <laughs> Bye-bye.